Hey everybody, Jason here. We're about to get into the 2017 Runny Awards, our choices for best and worst of the year. Just want to give you a little heads up. We had a couple little tweaks with the audio problem uh, early on in the episode. It seemed to resolve itself, so I apologize for any issues that may have arisen. Uh, we did the best we could and uh, tried to get this out as fast as possible, so hope you enjoy it. Theme song! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we are Tonight, we are going to witness the most anticipated match in the history of professional wrestling. And this is Jason is here. Dude, I, I swear to God, I'm not as big an asshole as it sounds like. Troy is here. Hey, I call them like I see them, all right? And Taz is here. I mean, Sal is here. It's Taz! Look at it this way. The first thing we've done together as a team. I grab my dick, you grab your dick. You work my arm, I work your arm. Same time. Same time. It's like jerking off together, but not gay. We're not touching dicks. Each other's dicks, anyway. I'm touching my dick. You're working it, and I'm loving it. It is episode 327 of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, and it is a very, very special episode. It is the 2017 Runnies, our annual best and worst show. Well, annual, I say this is the second year we've done it, so it becomes annual as of right now. Uh, we will go through the best and the worst in the year that was of wrestling in 2017, but I am not doing that alone. Ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce you to my co-hosts for the evening. First, my normal rundown co-host, back from a brief hiatus in the house, the host of so many shows on the Rundown Wrestling feed, including Glow Stick, NXT Revisited, and also the Slasher Sanitarium. Please welcome back to the Rundown, Troy! We're two minutes in, and already Adam's phone has gone off on the recording. So, thanks, Adam. So, for, so much for fucking kayfabe. <laughs> also joining us this week, the man, the myth... The guy from WrestleMania Salvation here on the Rundown Wrestling feed. It's not Taz. Well, yeah, it's kind of Taz. It's Sal! I'm here! What's up, I'm Sal? He Good to have you here. He Great to be here for this uh, rundown of what happened in 2017. And now, our very special surprise guest. Yeah. <laughs> and amazingly, we've been recording for like 30 seconds. He has not quit yet, ladies and gentlemen. Returning to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast, the former host, the former godfather of the Rundown, until I took that title from him. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Adam! I was going to go back and edit that out, you dick. That shit was really loud, I think. Well, Adam's called me a dick. We're right on, we're right on track Not now. You. It's like we haven't missed a Troy beat. a dick. Well, you, hold you're on, not, hold you, on. Hold you're on. like, you're going to edit it out? Exactly. You're going to edit it out? <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. I don't necessarily think that's how that shit's going to work. Just I also it. don't think that he's going to do any editing at all. No. I might, but he will not. No. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, it is... I'm so glad that I came back. <laughs> As I said, it is our annual rundown, runny show. We are going to go through our best and our worst. Each of us have made our selections, and we will share them with you. Some of them might be the same, but we'll give our reasons, and we'll go from there. Uh, but... 
We are not going to have a perfect 10 this week. That will return next week. However, since we so rarely have such a full panel on the show, I figured I'd open it up before we get into the actual awards to discuss anything that happened in the week of professional wrestling that you guys felt deserved to be discussed. And Sal, I know there was something that uh, jumped out at you, so go ahead. So they're not really doing anything with Finn Balor these days. He's kind of been in and out of uh, just you know one-off matches and fighting a bunch of jobbers. Except for this past week on Raw, they decided to stick him with Gallows and Anderson. And I think if you're not going to put him in the Universal title, even though you remind everybody that he was the first ever Universal champion, then fuck it. You have a space open because you, you don't have the shield anymore. Put Finn with Gallows and Anderson. Reform the club. I say take it all the way and turn Finn heel. I think it could be a really great thing. Yeah, and it seems sort of seems like they've uh, gone away from the notion of doing the demon. We haven't seen that very much at all, uh, especially since the Bray Wyatt thing got canceled. And that's sort of, I think, was the reason for holding off on it because it's like, well, the demon is super over as a face. So if they're not going to do that, then yeah, they might as well fucking turn him heel. Although Gallows and Anderson's personalities could make them decent as faces, actually, yeah. if they're allowed a little bit of a free reign. What do you guys think of that? I'm I'm very intrigued to see where this ends up. Um, I mean, they already they gave us that brief little glimpse of it when AJ Styles had to replace Bray Wyatt at that pay per view. They gave us you know the two sweet at the end of that match. Mm-hmm. I was uh, I, I was excited on uh, that that you know they were teaming Balor with Gallows and Anderson again. So if this is actually something, I uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. All right, Troy, any thoughts? I, this did give an opportunity for the Young Bucks to uh, promote a little bit of their T-shirt sales again. <laughs> as, as the WWE UK Twitter uh, tweeted out that this was the reformation of the Bullet Club, oh, which, of course, the Young Bucks said, cease and desist. Yes, oh, fair <laughs> enough. You know, I'm not a big fan of the Young Bucks in the ring, but their social media work is top-notch. You cannot deny that. Uh, also, interesting tidbit came across the news desk as we were about to record, so I threw it on here because it's worth a little bit of a discussion. Uh, in a recent interview, Daniel Bryan sort of hinted that uh, if he's not in the ring at wrestling for WWE by WrestleMania, that's probably it for his chances of returning to the ring in the WWE, sort of feeling like if they don't use him by then, they just don't have plans or are never willing to. We are getting ever so closer to WrestleMania this year, which does pose a little bit of an interesting twist on the fact that they seem to be setting up Daniel Bryan versus Shane. What do you guys think? I think that I'm so glad that in 2018, SmackDown Live continues to be the land of opportunity, the show that's about the wrestlers and not the authority figures. <laughs> Did you see that Bobby Roode match with Shinsuke Nakamura? To, uh, um, yeah. No, no, we didn't. No, no. no, it's, no. But on Raw, we have Kane, so, you know. Yeah, but it's okay oh, because, oh you know what? You know what? SmackDown Live is a land of opportunity where underutilized guys like Rusev can finally get their chance in the spotlight. Hey, Rusev's getting more TV time nowadays than he ever was before, so, you know. Yeah, because of a catchphrase. Whatever fucking... Daniel Bryan got over because of a fucking catchphrase, dude. So did The Rock. That's the shit that's that's worked for years. And that's the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> Without that yes chant, is Daniel Bryan ever the WWE champion? Because I would, I would contend he wasn't. He wouldn't nope. be. God, no. No. No, but is Rusev really getting over with anybody in the office? I mean, 
I don't think they think of, any, of him as anything but a comedy act. Well, I think that's what's great about him is that he can do comedy, he can do physicality, he can do anything they've asked him to do, and he's crushed it every single time. I thought I thought Rusev singing to Aiden English this week on SmackDown was fantastic. Yes. That was a nice touch. Constant, really yeah, and constantly freshening it up, and that's another great part of it. So, um, But, yeah, Daniel Bryan, do we think – I'm on record as saying I think he wrestles again for the WWE. Does anybody else want to weigh in? Uh, I agree because I don't think he says that in that interview unless they have plans to bring him back. Okay. Yeah, my contention has been that they're just not going to leave that much money on the table. I, I can't see yeah. it. Adam, what are your thoughts? I feel like I feel like this Shane thing is kind of like a test run okay. for them to see where he is because like somebody mentioned it at some point that you know this match with Shane is not going to be a, a standard Daniel Bryan match where it'll just be you know get uh, get what Shane needs to get and do your you know do a little bit of your thing and we'll see where where we're at. Uh, so I think this is a test run to see can he can he still go if if they put him back. Uh, I don't think it would be like a full time schedule, but if he does. Kind of a here and now, then and now thing, mm. if they can make that work. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably what we're looking at. But hopefully, because it would be nice, there's still a lot of great matches that could be had with Daniel Bryan, uh, dream matches, if you will, that we haven't seen before, including even a GM versus GM thing with uh, Kurt Angle. I think that would be interesting to see as well. Oh. Uh, assuming Daniel Bryan has a match scheduled with someone else who cannot compete, at which point Kurt Angle will replace him, because yeah. that's, that's what Kurt does now. Um uh, Troy, do you have any thoughts on Daniel Bryan? No, not okay. really. <laughs> okay. Last thing I wanted to bring up, and I called dibs on this rant because this shit drove me crazy <laughs> this week. Uh, so I'm watching SmackDown, and I'm watching a great, really good match between the Usos and Shelton Benjamin and Chad Gable. And surprise, surprise, Benjamin and Gable capture the championships. And... I'm sort of shocked, and I, wow, that's fucking cool. I, you know, I, I like the Usos and all, but you know, this is nice and doing something fresh and first first show of the new year, something cool. And then, then another referee comes out from the back. Now, I'm all for. I'm an old schoolist. I'm a traditionalist. I have no problems with a dusty finish, but a good dusty finish. What we did in this was all of a sudden, after years of not giving a shit about who the legal man in a tag team match is. All of a sudden, now we care. All of a sudden, now, instant replay is a thing in the WWE. So this is fine. But every single match that ends with cheating, I want another referee coming down. I want him pointing up to the big video screen. I want the match restarted. Now, Troy, you're an you're a, uh, MMA guy, too, I, I like, like myself. Uh, what happens in MMA when they have to go to instant replay? There's, there's instant replay? Occasionally, very rarely, and the reason it's very rare is because if they deem necessary to go to instant replay, the fucking fight's over. You can't restart it. Right. <clears throat> right, because at that point, the whole point is to find the finish of the match, and you can't then be like, oh, well, you know, I guess this is one of the, like, 13 times in the history of WWE that we're going to use instant replay, so here we go. Yeah, and, and again, another referee, like, like, how many times should that have happened if that was the angle we're going with? It just makes everyone look stupid. And I think, like I said, if you wanted to do a dusty finish, there were better ways to do it. Sal, what did you think about it? I'm going to take it one step further. This is the same show, the same brand, the same commissioner that has touted for the past six months that the referee's decisions are final. Remember that whole situation with Kevin Owens and AJ Styles? And what did Shane say? 
the ref's decisions are final. So I was when shades the ref. Well, I was ridiculously annoyed that all of a sudden they're going to restart the match. This is bullshit. Give the give the Usos a rematch, sure, but. Chad Gable and Shell Benjamin should be tag team champions right now. Exactly. And obviously they gave themselves an out to sort of continue the feud and the story, but I just think they did it in a way that sort of loses all credibility. Troy, what did you think? I think I'm just glad that the storyline is about the wrestlers. Okay. Adam? <laughs> uh, no, I agree with you guys. I uh, Like you said, I was shocked and thrilled that uh, Benjamin and Gable had won the tag cha- championships and then all of a sudden uh, they kind of pulled that rug out from underneath us and went in a very strange direction and yeah like you said it does lead uh, it does kind of continue the feud but, but there are certainly that have been done like an automatic rematch because the title changed hands so yeah this is not good not good booking on Smackdown this week and uh, if I end up using the Skype recorder, ladies and gentlemen, you've just heard Adam go into full auto-tune. So there we go. <laughs> I always worry that it's on just on my end and nobody's hearing that, so I'm glad. No, <laughs> no I heard that too. No, no, we all heard it. All right, let's going to do it for our abbreviated version of the things that happened in the world of wrestling this week. And now it is time. We're going to go to the best and worst of 2017. So, gentlemen, we will start at the bottom of the list and work our way up. Because the, I, th- I sort of feel like the thing at the top is the most important, so let's let's do that. So we are going to start this countdown, if you will, of the best and worst of the year with the best wrestling-related show this year. Could be a network show, could be an episode of Ring of Honor, could be whatever you want it to be. Um, I went with best show of the year, the Kevin Owens 365 special on the WWE Network. I thought it was really cool to see all the backstage stuff. Um, to get the opportunity to sort of see how Kevin Owens um, reacted to Vince McMahon not liking his match, to, to just see how invested these guys all are and how, how crushed they are by Vince's opinion. One guy's opinion and, and then at the end how lifted he was by Stone Cold's opinion. So uh, it really, watching it, it struck me sort of how Kevin Owens personality is is such that I wouldn't necessarily expect. I would envision him to be somebody who sort of doesn't give a fuck what people think about him, uh, when in reality he's very uh, conscious of that. Uh, Troy, what did you have for your best show? Uh, my list doesn't have that topic. <laughs> yeah, that would be in the host thread when I when I said, can you add this uh, topic, because I forgot it got cut off for some reason. Mm, interesting. Okay. So it's best, it's best show? Yes. <laughs> Like, should, should we come back to Troy? Best Eddie, wrestling related show? show? It could best be. wrestling related show. It could be. Uh, I'm going to say best best wrestling related show. Uh, definitely, hands down, Total Divas. Okay. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to go with Glow. You're the Glow Stick guy. I figured. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, best best wrestling related show. Actually, I really do like Glow. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and with a serious answer, I'm going to say Glow. All right. And uh, what was it about uh, Glow that makes you pick it? Uh, as you'll hear on Glow Stick, I, I bring it up quite a lot that the the show obviously is written by someone who likes wrestling because they they do a really good job of of showing you what actually would be going on in the background, you know, bringing up gimmicks, bringing up you know who's the top star and things like that, um, and really focusing on different aspects of it, but while still 
you know, keeping it kind of loose so that non-wrestling fans can enjoy it as well. But as a wrestling fan, you know, you get the cameos in there, uh, but you also get a lot of like the, the insider terms and stuff like that. And obviously watching, you know, Kai Stevens uh, every episode, too, is, is a treat for anyone who's an independent wrestling fan. So I think that it does a lot of good for wrestling because it brings in a lot of new audience to, you know, to the actual brand. Um, it, it makes people maybe a little bit more kind of like, oh, that that uh, that dude in the first episode, uh, he's pretty hot. I wonder, I wonder what he is. Oh, he's uh, he's this guy Johnny Mundo. Oh, let's let's see what else he's doing. You know, it, it it bridges that gap and maybe brings in a couple of new of new viewers that otherwise wouldn't have actually watched wrestling ever in their life. Nice. And all joking aside, that's sort of I think what the Total Divas effect is too. It brings in a, a different segment of the audience that you wouldn't necessarily get otherwise. Uh, so yeah, just just not a segment that we want. Sell your choice for best <laughs> show. Uh, for me, uh, I had selected the Kurt Angle WWE 24 Homecoming episode. Um, similar to the Kevin Owens story, I thought it was great uh, going back and seeing how Kurt was brought back. Um, I thought it was amazing that they contacted uh, people from TNA, specifically Dixie Carter, to do the video. Um, it was great seeing that interaction between Kurt and Vince. Uh you know, we all know Angles had substance abuse problems and alcoholic problems, and uh, to hear him overcome that and and get to this point in his career, I thought that was really nicely told on this uh, documentary. Yeah, and bonus points for getting to see Vince tell the cameraman to get the fuck out of his office. <laughs> the other best part. Adam, your choice for best show, 2017. Uh, I'm with you. I, I went with uh, the Kevin Owens 365. Um, like you said, I think it provided just a, a surprisingly personal look at uh, at Kevin Owens at Kevin Steen the the fact that there is such a uh, a split between his on camera personality and his and his actual personality like you said with those kind of those you know that that that's the self esteem things that he was talking about and whatnot I uh, I love that show and I hope that they do more of those 365 specials absolutely all good picks ladies and gentlemen but now it wouldn't be the rundown if we didn't shit on some stuff so let's start with my choice for worst show this year and this one was. There were a lot of choices for this thing. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I know at least one that other people are going to select. And I wanted to go a little bit outside the box, and I went with Table for three. Uh, and the reason I went with that is not because I dislike the premise. I really dislike the way the show is put together. You take these three legends, and you can tell clearly there's like an hour-long conversation going on, and they edit this shit down to 15 minutes to the point where I think a lot of the good shit probably gets cut out. Right. Um, and I don't think you get the impact of the whole point of the show is. Uh, so that's why I went with uh, Table for Three as my worst choice. Troy, what's your worst choice? Worst show. Uh, my my choice for worst show is any episode of Legends with JBL. Because fuck JBL. <laughs> did they even have any new episodes in 2017? No, it got yes. can- did it get canceled? When did it get canceled? I don't even know. I know it, it got, got canceled. canceled. It got canceled in 2017. Okay. okay. Episodes right. 2017. I looked it up. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll give it to you. All right, Sal, your choice, best show, worst show, sorry. Worst show's got to be WWE Storytime. Uh, I tried to watch it. I I watched a couple episodes. They try to make it funny with the animations, and it's just really not funny. I just didn't like it at all. Sal, a little outside the box with his choice. This is, um, can I, can I interject? Sure. Wholeheartedly disagree. Yeah, okay. I I enjoyed Storytime. All right, Adam, your choice for uh, worst show. Uh, this was a very easy choice for me. A lot of these categories were very difficult. This one was very easy. Halloween Raw, Trick or Street Fight, 
Rhino and Drag. That's it. Okay. Well, if we had, uh, you know, good thing we don't have a worst match category because that would have jumped right in there. Uh, <laughs> we do have his best and worst gimmick of 2017. And Troy, why don't you lead us off on this one with your best gimmick of 2017? Uh, this was, was uh, this was the start of the uh, of the difficulty for me, honestly, on this show because there's been a lot of really good gimmicks, but I actually really enjoy Evil Sami Zayn. Uh, I know we've only seen it for the past couple of months here, but uh, him being just just full on into this character, um, him being able to subvert a lot of the things that got him over the dancing and the different things like that, and it was such a breath of fresh air for for him as as a wrestler, you know, getting rid of the fucking terrible Woody Allen gimmick that he had, yes, and Jesus, um, you know, actually getting over as as a heel. That that's that's my choice hands down is Evil Sami Zayn. All right, Sal, your choice, best gimmick, twenty seventeen. Uh, I went with Elias. Uh, for me, a gimmick that I really didn't see money in, but boy, has he has he turned that around? I mean, the whole crowd going with them now. The catchphrase, "Who wants to walk with Elias?" I I love everything about it, and and the fact that he makes fun of the town every time uh, he sings a song, it's hilarious to me. All right, good choice. Adam, your choice, best gimmick, 2017. Uh, As I just said, a lot of these were very difficult. This one was one of those ones. Um, I almost went with with Drew Gulak because who else can get over with a PowerPoint presentation? Mm -hmm. Um, But eventually I I did remember what WWE stands for, and that is Walk with Elias. Uh, He may have lost his last name and his nickname, and he may not have had the most successful year in terms of wins and losses, but god damn if this gimmick is not amazing to me. Uh, though the panhandler affectations have been removed, he doesn't have the dollar bills in the neck of the guitar anymore. Uh, the idea of a guy who can play guitar but can't really sing all that well and is kind of a pompous jackass and has original songs making fun of every town he's in and I th- is, is fantastic, and I think Elias plays it beautifully. All right. Well, then allow me to be surprised that nobody else has the same selection I have. But I went for best gimmick of the year. I went with Braun Strowman. Uh, and if you think back, it was just the Royal Rumble of last January when Roman sort of interfered in the Kevin Owens-Roman Reigns match and really sort of set that feud with Roman off. And that dominated a good early part of the year. And I think they really built Strowman in a way they haven't built anyone really since Lesnar. They built him to look like a monster, like a true monster. They weren't joking around with him. It wasn't comedy. He was just a fucking badass, and he would kill you. He was a destroyer, and it got over. And we've been saying for years, this is what they need to do with Roman, and Braun Strowman was proof positive that that formula still works in today's wrestling. And I think, to me, he's come a long way from the Dudley Boys trash can incident, so I went with Braun Strowman for best game of 2017. Which, of course, leads us to worst gimmick, and I will be absolutely shocked if I end up uh, the only one who picked what I picked. But let's find out (laughs) as we start with Troy. What did you pick for worst gimmick of the year? Uh, (laughs) Um, I went with Pirate Hooker Kyrie Sane. Interesting. Okay. I don't think many people would have picked that one. (laughs) Uh, more, moreover, just because of what I had hoped for her and how ridiculous the gimmick is. Um, I just, it's kind of, I, I was just bummed. That's why I picked it. Mm-hmm. Of course, ironically enough, not a WWE necessarily gimmick. She was sort of been playing the pirate gimmick even back in stardom. So she brought that with her. 
Um, but yeah, I I agree in terms of the carry saying thing. I just don't get necessarily the appeal. Yeah, uh, that's from, exactly what I was going to say. From the presentation to the in ring, but uh, Sal, what is your choice worst gimmick? I uh, went a little bit more off the radar, probably because you don't see these guys that often. Um, I thought the worst gimmick of the year was the Ascension. I don't get the way they paint their faces now. I don't get the fat zombie aspect. It's just uh, pretty awful. Uh, and they've fallen a long way from where they were in NXT. Um, and I just don't I don't get the, the ring attire. I just don't get it. It's awful. That's an interesting choice because I think a lot of people, myself included, would say 2017 was sort of a bit of a bounce back year for the Ascension. They sort of, through Breezango, became part of the mainstream storylines again after mm-hmm. just a year in obscurity. So, interesting. Also, I don't, I don't think the the intention is fat zombie. He just, he's just a fat guy, but <laughs> I, I think he's just supposed to be a zombie. <laughs> and they also really uh, haven't changed their ring gear since NXT. It's pretty much the same shit they've been wearing. Yeah. Right. But anyway, in any event, it's it's your choice, Sal, and you go with what you fucking want to go with, my <laughs> man. Adam, your right. choice. Worst gimmick 2017. All right. James Ellsworth, the Human Turtle. Lana, the nightclub dancer, make Darren Young great again. These were all terrible things that happened this year, uh, last year. But in my eye, none were worse than the quasi-racist, possibly actually racist, Puerto Rican resort-hawking scam artists known as the Shining Stars. Mm. Sure, they ditched the gimmick only four months into 2017, uh, but name one thing the Colognes have done since the Superstar Shakeup sent them to SmackDown Live. Or did you, like me, completely forget they were still employed by the company? Yeah, no, it's definitely a, a severe waste of talent. I think there was some injury, some issues similar to Neville mixed in there. But yeah, no, the, the resort hawking gimmick was definitely fucking awful, no doubt about it. Um, I, like I said, I was going to be surprised if nobody went with mine, and, and you know, you guys never cease to amaze me because nobody else picked sister fucking Abigail. Now, granted, (laughs) it didn't go for very long, and thankfully, by the very grace of the measles, we never got to see the payoff on this shit. (laughs) But we had, we came this fucking close to Bray Wyatt wrestling in fucking drag. Um, And you're going to probably detect a theme in my list here about Bray Wyatt, but we'll get to that as we continue through the list. Um, This was some of the worst shit WWE's ever done, particularly when you factor in the anticipation when they started mentioning Sister Abigail and everybody's starting to, who's who's it going to be? Who's the character? Who are they bringing in? Who's going to play the role? uh, And then we find out it, it is simply... Bray Wyatt and Dragon. We all go, no, that's just a, they're red herring. They're trying to throw us off. That can't fucking be what they're going to do. And then, lo and behold, it's what they fucking did. <laughs> um, and I, I defy anybody to tell me there was a worse, fuck, worse fucking gimmick this year than Sister Abigail. Can but, I interject? Go for it. Um, the whole Sister Abigail uh, segments on Raw definitely came through my mind a lot during this list. Uh, it was so short-lived when it was actually on TV, that's probably why I didn't include it. But you are correct. It was atrocious. And I think if it actually did make it to that pay-per-view, it would have made the list. All right. Fair enough. All right. That's going to bring and us. J- Go ahead. Jason, I know you said you were surprised, but what's really more surprising than the runnies? So. That's very true. You know, and, and 
Never trust a... Never mind. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. We move to Best Feud of 2017, and I'll be curious to see where some of my compatriots here fall in line. And we'll start this time with Adam. Adam, Best Feud 2017. Sure. I think there's only one obvious choice here, and that's Braun Strowman and Kane. I'm obviously completely fucking kidding. That was, this was no, no, no. We start we're, we start with best. <laughs> uh, this was probably the hardest for me to come up come to an answer on. But after yeah. much deliberation, I, I literally think that I stared at my computer screen for a good half an hour trying to figure this one out. Hmm. Um, I think that I have to go with a, uh, Authors of Pain versus DIY versus Revival because it gave me one of my favorite matches of 2017, the the triple threat elimination tag match uh, at uh, at Takeover. Okay, that's an interesting choice. I don't necessarily think that would have been uh, on the list, but good, good selection. Uh, Troy, your choice for best feud 2017. Uh, I went with Owens versus Y2J. Okay. Hmm. Care to expound at all, or I don't didn't think I need to, but okay. Uh, Sal, <laughs> I. No, <just>, I... <laughs> okay, Troy. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, I just I really liked the 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 way that the two of them. You know, went from being, you know, the friends to the enemies. I thought that was, it was very well long-term booking. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the the ending of it fizzled just a little bit, uh, but I still greatly enjoyed it. Obviously gave me, you know, one of one of the best segments of the year as well. Uh, spoiler alert for later. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I, I, I went with these two just because of the fact that, they, that I was interested in them every time they came on screen. Okay. Yeah, it's a fair point. Ultimately, for me, I think the in-ring, the letdown of the in-ring result sort of kept it from being my choice. But Sal, what did you pick for your best feud of 2017? Uh, before I announce that, I will say, Troy, that was a very nice selection. Um, my best feud, however, it just kind of dominated 2017 and made the most, you know, the biggest mark was Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. Jason, I know you mentioned it before. Um, the matches were hard-hitting, uh, violent. Uh, you know, the the ambulance into the uh, the 16-wheeler. I mean, it gave you a lot of really uh, cool visuals that, that stuck with you. And uh, I thought those two, you know, it really seemed like they hated each other until the picture came out where they were hanging out in Rome. But besides that, <laughs> the actual feud they showed on TV was great. And uh, I thought it was the best year of 2017. Yeah, the uh, the horrible fake stretcher spot, I think, as we discussed on this show, is sort of what lost it for me. But yeah, no, it was definitely the uh, monumental feud in the year of 2017. For my choice, mm. I also went with Roman Reigns, but I went with Roman Reigns and John Cena. And for me, this is another one that was a little bit short-lived, but I really felt like it really saw, served its purpose. We got some of the best promos out of both guys we've ever gotten, and people were fucking glued to their screens every week to see the promo battle in a way they hadn't been since The Rock and Cena had their run of co- sort of going back and forth at each other. We got some of the greatest lines uh, between guys. They, it felt real. It felt like they were calling out each other for the criticisms that the fans have against them. And the match was a one-time match, and it was it was a good match. It wasn't a great five-star match. Uh, shout out to Dave Meltzer. Uh <laughs> Because, you know, it didn't take place in the Tokyo Dome. But uh, I thought it was good enough. Uh, certainly a pass, certainly a good match, if not a great one. Um, but the storyline alone, the driving story, the, the promo battle, everything about this, to me, made it the best feud of 2017. Even uh, though Roman forgot his lines. Hey, but you know what? Cena called him on it. and They, they, did, yeah. they didn't ignore it. They didn't pretend it. They added the realism to it of, of working it into what they were doing. And I... 
And just like, and, and it, like I said, it sort of began Roman on the path of being able to sort of think on his feet. And, and we've used it as a sound bite and a drop on this show in the past, but just the line of, you know, your zippers open. Nah, I busted it. Big dog. Just shit like that off the top of his head, <laughs> uh, was just an elevation of the Roman Reigns character that I think was definitely needed. And I think you saw sort of the fans start to turn a little bit and, and side a little bit more with Roman after that. So I think it absolutely served its purpose. Um, that's going to bring us to our next category, which is best and worst announcer of. Tw- I'm sorry, did I miss? Oh, I'm sorry. Worst you did, feud. We didn't do worst, worst feud. feud. Yeah. Yes, I'm trying to jump the gun. Worst <laughs> feud 2017. Who did we start with? This one was this Adam. Yep. Okay, Adam, you're up first. Worst feud 2017. Uh, much like uh, gimmicks, 2017 gave us a lot of terrible feuds, like Seth versus Hunter, Becky Lynch versus James Ellsworth, Randy Orton versus Bray Wyatt. Uh, but the worst of the worst to me uh, has to be Naomi versus. Lana, uh, a feud that was literally presented to viewers as an afterthought uh, in that we went into the Women's Money in the Bank match without an opponent left over for Naomi to face for the title. And also a joke, given that all the women on SmackDown Live, on live TV, laughed in her face when the idea was presented of Lana challenging for the title. Uh, the thankfully few matches that took place in this feud, which was, what, all of two, I think, maybe three did nothing to actually make Lana look like a legitimate contender after all, mostly because she somehow has less wrestling skill than the divas from the Attitude Era. All right, well, fair enough. Uh, now, worst feud, 2017. Troy, you're up. Uh, this one was a toss-up for me uh, between anything involving Natalia. Um, <laughs> but I, <clears throat> I actually went with Jinder Mahal versus Randy Orton. Okay. Um, okay. This didn't do much to really elevate gender with with the championship and Randy Orton in a world title feud in 2017. It's just I don't I don't give a fuck. I mean, uh, while it did produce some very good gifable moments with Randy Orton trying to kill the Singh brothers, <laughs> um, I just I just was was fucking bored to but with this. Yeah, I think that's going to be a common theme with gender as we run through this list. Sal, your choice, worst feud 2017. Well, I uh, I agreed with Troy on this one. Okay. My worst feud was Randy Orton versus Jinder Mahal. Oh, first time. Right. Uh, Randy's crappy acting skills uh, made it su- insufferable. Um, did nothing to legitimize gender in my mind, um, especially where Randy would kind of talk down to him like he was a joke of a champion. Uh, and I thought it went on way too long. There was no need for it to be stretched out for the four or five month period that it went. All right. Uh, fair enough. And I also went with a Jinder Mahal feud, but I went with the Jinder Mahal Shinsuke Nakamura feud. <laughs> and there was just so much garbage in this, including the fact that you finally put Shinsuke into a legit world title program get people excited about him, sort of start to do something with him, and you just have him job out clean. Uh, to gender, the use of the Singh brothers in this feud was just idiotic. Uh, Shinsuke just kept letting them interfere and letting them distract him, and never, uh, you know, made an adjustment for their their presence. It mm-hmm. just made him look stupid. But then, when you add to that the the racist angle of gender making anti yeah. and the Singhs making anti Asian jokes and mocking his accent so much so that they had to fucking apologize. To the the fucking crowd on Monday Night Raw chanted, "That's too far," 
at these guys. <laughs> yeah. The fucking Raw crowd said that's uh-huh. too far. That was a garbage feud. I think it damaged Shinsuke, and, and, and to me, easily the worst feud of the year. Raw or SmackDown? What's that? I'm oh, sorry, SmackDown. Smack- My bad. Yes, you're right. Uh, that'll bring us to our next category for best and worst announcer 2017, and I guess I'm back to the uh, top of the order here. I'm going to lead this one off. Best announcer for me, uh, and and when I go back to the well, same guy I picked last year, got to be Corey Graves. Uh, the guy is absolutely the best in the business. He's worked himself. The guy works both shows. Uh, the guy manages to come across as credible playing a face on Raw because Booker T has decided he's going to be the heel. Uh, and then he switches <laughs> to SmackDown and plays the heel, and he does both seamlessly, so you don't even fucking notice, because he's that good at what he does. Uh, hardest working guy in the company, hands down. Honorable mention, and, and I think I would have selected Mauro Ronaldo had he worked the entire year. His work on NXT, I think, has really elevated that product and made it feel uh, more legitimate, and Mauro, for my money, is still the best wrestling announcer in the business uh, mm-hmm. when he's given an opportunity to to sort of be himself without people in his ear. Uh, Troy, your selection for Best Announcer 2017. We should probably just rename this the Corey Graves Award. <laughs> um, I I hope that we sweep this because Best Announcer, hands down, Corey Graves. Yeah, we should call this the Bobby Heenan Memorial Award because easily the, the, best, the, the best comparison, I think, to uh, Bobby Heenan is Corey Graves. Sal, your choice. Corey Graves. Okay. Uh, in my notes, hardest working uh, guy in the WWE. Uh, he never turns down an opportunity to do a show, whether it's a post-show, pre-show, SmackDown, Raw. He's got three shows that have appeared on the network, Superstar Inc., Culture Shock, and Straight to the Source. Uh, in addition to that, they bring him in for specials like the authentic untold story of ECW. Definitely, hands down, best announcer in WWE today. All right. And the Kurt, Ang- and the Kurt Angle interview. Yes. Adam. What is your selection for Best Announcer 2017, and why is it Corey Graves? Shut up, Saxton. <laughs> Who else could it possibly be? Sweep it. Yeah, absolutely. Not much doubt there. I think we may have a clean sweep. I'm, I'm going to assume maybe we'll have a clean sweep on Worst <laughs> Announcer as well, but I'm proud that I get to lead this off because I get to be the first one to say, Percy fucking Watson. <laughs> That's right. This guy adds literally nothing, and you have Moro Ronaldo. And Nigel, they're doing fucking yeoman's work, getting these young kids over. They're doing an amazing job as a unit. And then Percy just throws in some inane bullshit here or there that takes away from, takes you out of what you're fucking into. Uh, I think he detracts from the product. And here's the sad part. I think he's actually gotten fucking better, and he's still the worst announcer of the year because he is better now than when he started, but that just speaks more to how fucking bad he was when he started than it does to where he is now. Percy Watson, easily my choice, which brings us to Troy, worst announcer 2017. I can totally see why anyone would pick Percy Watson. I didn't pick Percy Watson. Okay. Simply, simply, simply because of the amount of time he's been commentating. Okay. And that, that is why, that is why my pick for worst announcer is Michael Cole. See, I thought Michael Cole had one of his better years this year, so that's interesting. Go ahead. But a good year for Michael Cole is still a bad year as an announcer who's had that much time because he okay. continues to to do the same shit he's always done. I want to shoot myself every time I hear him call something vintage. Um, he's, Boston! He's like, yeah, he's, he's the catchphrase machine now. You know, he's... 
he's Vince McMahon's perfect little idea of what an announcer should be. And personally, I've never, never liked Michael Cole. See, the, the interesting thing to me in that choice is that you look at, and we talked, uh, when I mentioned Mauro Ronaldo, I talked about how he, he's at his best when he doesn't have people in his ear. You look at Michael Cole, go back and watch him in that UK tournament when Vince wasn't there and he was just sort of on his own. I thought it was his best work in a very long time, uh, similar to Beast in the East where, again, Vince wasn't there. And his work on NXT, I thought, when he was filling in, was really good. So I think a lot of his problems are just based on the guys in his ear. But uh, it yeah, is... but I but I feel like that strengthens my points because as a guy who's been doing it this long, he should be able to start pushing back on some of that. Well, you would he's think so, guy, but he's... it's fucking Vince yeah. McMahon, dude. Yeah. <laughs> my list. So fuck you. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, let's remember Vince fired his fucking son. Uh, that's gonna bring us Sal. Your choice. Worst announcer, 2017. Not only do we not have a clean sweep of this category, but I think we're all going to part ways. All right, interesting. Uh, lest we forget the worst announcer of 2017, a guy who had a job on TV until after WrestleMania, David Otunga, people. Okay. That guy was not only painful to listen to, he was painful to look at. He always had this dumb fucking look on his face. If Even if... Uh, Mauro Ronaldo and JBL were talking about something serious or something that needed a you know a, a specific derivative. You just had smiling David Otunga there, acting like a retard, not knowing anything of what he was supposed to say. Easily worst announcer of 2017. And this isn't a year where the fucking Pope did it play-by-play still, too. And we had a feud between Josh Matthews and Jeremy fucking Borash on Impact. Uh, yeah, nobody, nobody watches Impact. Not even, I don't even watch this shit anymore. Adam, you're up. Worst announcer 2017. Yep. Sal, you're wrong. Troy, you're wrong. It's Percy fucking Watson. Thank you. Right. You want know, to just elaborate? He's just going to drop the mic and leave it there. I don't think anything. I don't think anything else needs to be said. Okay. I, th- I thought you'd just quit again. Anyway, we're moving on. <laughs> Best on the mic 2017. We're going to lead this one off with Troy. You're up. Troy, best on the mic 2017. As long as there is a Kevin Owens on TV, there will be a Kevin Owens best in the mic victory on the runnies. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Sal, your choice. Best on the mic 2017. Uh, this Maybe a little bit outside the box, but uh, Jason, I think you'll understand my point here. My best on the mic this year was Samoa Joe. Okay. This is a guy who, from the minute he got called up, was cutting these scathing, seething promos that just it literally made your skin crawl. Um, every time he gets on the mic, he's easily the best thing on Raw. And I think he's been doing some of his best work more recently. But let's not even forget what he did with Paul Heyman when he was in that feud with Brock. To me, Joe. Yeah, see, the thing with uh, with Joe is that the best work he did was off the mic. The silent conversation yes. with Heyman that we heard where there was no mic involved. I think that was his finest moment of the year. Oh, although, yeah. Although his recent stuff with Renee Young is off the charts good. Adam, your choice. Best on the mic, 2017. Another difficult category uh, could be Heyman, could be Enzo as a heel, could be Kevin Owens, uh, but I have to go with The Miz. Uh, Miz, I feel, had the one of the best years of his career in 2017, and he made so much gold out of his various 
feuds and various rivalries th- thanks to Miz TV and his backstage segments and whatnot that I, uh, I have to go with the Miz on this one. Clearly hosting the rundown is like a sexually transmitted disease because I also went with the Miz as Adam and I once again fall in lockstep. There is nothing this guy did that he didn't make better with what he said on the mic. Um, he's not, let's be honest, he's not the greatest wrestler in the world, but everything he does means something. Uh, from elevating the Miztourage just by walking behind him to having his wife as a heater to just, uh, you remember back to the promo where he was hosting Miz TV with The Rock and Cena, and he just absolutely eviscerated both of them on the microphone. And lest us not forget his work leading into WrestleMania with Maurice versus Cena and Nikki. Top-notch, nobody better in the business. Uh, For me, this is the Miz Award every year, until proven otherwise. I I said it back in the lead-up to WrestleMania. I was so fucking prepared to hate that total Bella, those total Bella bullshit segments, but God, they were so good. Absolutely. Now, this will be an interesting one to see because we have a worst on the mic category for 2017. And of course, we are once again going to lead it off with Troy. It kind of went back and forth on this. Yeah, I had a hard time with this one too, actually. Yeah, because you could go, you could go with like 80% of the women's division. Mm -hmm. Um, You could go obviously with Natalia. All day, Natalia. But I know it was it was only a few times. But uh, my pick for worst on the mic is Stephanie McMahon. Interesting. I would say I, certainly. I can, I can definitely see that. Okay. Yeah, I I can't. Uh, her character changes every time she appears. Um, her her overall message every time she goes out there changes every time she appears, as well as screeching out that she is. The reason we have a women's revolution, uh, not to mention the fact that anytime she shows up, I just know I'm going to have a bad time. <laughs> well, you think that? Imagine how Hunter feels. And wait <laughs> until the promo the night after she wins the first ever women's Royal Rumble. <laughs> oh, it's going to be it's going to be terrible. Which, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be finally I have won and I am the greatest woman ever to be in WWE. But they will be the first husband and wife to win Royal Rumbles, so there is that. Uh, Sal, your choice yeah. for Worst on the Mic 2017. It's going to be the sound of me canceling my network subscription. Um, All right, Smathers. Yeah, exactly. My Worst on the Mic for 2017, and I know that his worst moment on the mic actually happened in 2016, but he did little to improve since then, and that is Kalisto. Kalisto, who had very little time on the mic, but when he did, managed to somehow call Enzo the champion and say he was going to take his belt, even though the belt was around his waist, and then double down by tapping the belt right after he said it. This is a guy who's been given so many opportunities, and he is just, he's good in the ring. Don't put a microphone in front of him. And he threw me in the trash, and I am not trash. Yeah. (laughs) That was another thing that happened. Uh, Adam, your choice for worst on the mic 2017. Tamina. Just. Did she, was she ever on the mic in 2016? <laughs> she must have said something. They fucking put Lana with her because she could. But go ahead. Sorry. You're, you're... She's just. The, the... And I believe you have a- to any... say it like Tamina. <laughs> Anytime. Any, the, on the rare occasions that she was given a live microphone, the shit that would just dribble out of her mouth hole was just never 
Never good. Never anything that was barely a legible sentence. Just she should never speak again. You can read sentences that people say? <laughs> it's one of my many powers. All right. Moving on. Worst on the mic 2017 for me. Again, like Troy, I think I went back and forth on this several times. I put a few names in. Ultimately, I settled on Bailey. And that was my main concern with Bailey. If you've listened to this show for a while, uh, in coming up to the main rosters, I thought she had problems on the mic in NXT. Then she gets to the main roster, and they put her in a feud with Alexa Bliss, who is fire on the microphone, who also I'm a little surprised didn't get any consideration anywhere for best on the mic, because I thought she killed it this year. Um, but And Bailey was just let, made to look like an idiot. Uh, the way what? she was you booked was like bad poetry? enough. <laughs> the way she was booked was bad enough. But just when she was given a mic, she just was completely unprepared to deliver anything of substance, so much so they really barely ever have her talk anymore. Uh, for me... Unfortunately, because I am a fan of hers, worst on the mic of the year was definitely Bailey. Uh, this is going to be, I th- I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is when we're going to have a, a majority, at least in selections. But best comeback for 2017, Sal, I'm pretty sure you're going to be in line with me, but go ahead. Uh, I picked the Hardys. Okay. Uh, that roar from the WrestleMania crowd was earth shattering. Uh, the fact that they won the tag team titles. The first night back was unthinkable, and god damn did they hide it good. They were in Ring of Honor the night before mm-hmm. in a crazy tag match with the Young Bucks. There were reports that they flew out of Orlando and back to North Carolina, and lo and behold, they show up at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Fucking amazing. Yeah, worked a ladder match in back-to-back nights, which is simply just unheard of. Uh, Adam, your choice for Best Comeback 2017. Uh, I can certainly appreciate that choice. That's not the choice that I went with. Um, I went with Drew McIntyre. Interesting. Uh, I have always said that the way Drew McIntyre was booked in the waning days of the Golden Boy gimmick and his entire run in 3MB bordered on criminal. Uh, An amazing talent. He returned this year, got his run with the NXT Championship, and when he returns from his arm injury, hopefully goes on to bigger and better things on the main roster. Yeah, see, I can't get it. I can't select him simply because he returned without Shattered Dreams, but that's my choice. Uh, Troy, you're <laughs> that up. Is, that is an amazing song. Oh, I'm sorry. I guess this makes my pick because Troy let off last one. Uh, my pick for Best Comeback 2017, yeah, exactly what Sal said. It's the fucking Hardys. Uh, to me, it was a two-horse race between the Hardys and Kurt Angle and just the pop at WrestleMania, the moment, uh, the most downloaded thing on WWE YouTube forever, most viewed thing, I should say, uh, the Hardys return. Uh, again, it sort of fizzled a little bit as a tag team due to injury and, and sort of stuff that happened, but uh, they're, they finally got their hands on the broken gimmick, and they're slowly ruining it, but I'm hoping <laughs> that they find their way with it, and uh, we get something interesting, and I'm curious, curious, of course, to see what happens with Jeff when he returns now that Matt's been broken again. Troy, your mm-hmm. choice, best comeback, 2017. Spoiler alert for 2018 runnies. That's uh, my leading candidate right now for worst gimmick. Uh <laughs> So my my choice for the Page Award for best comeback okay. has definitely uh, has definitely got to be the Hardy Boys. Um, just the it's not very often that I get surprised by by wrestling just because I do read the dirt sheets as much as I do. Mm-hmm. I was convinced that the Hardy Boys were coming; they just were not coming at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. And the you could I was in a room with a bunch of other dudes. You could feel the excitement when that that music hit. Yeah. And yeah, mm-hmm. I like I said, 
you know, just looking at the at, at the comeback, the match was was tremendous. The the ovation was tremendous. Uh, I I don't care how it ended up because it was it, it was my one of my best moments of 2017. All right. Now, rather than uh, move on to worst comeback, I've just sort of changed the category a little bit, but it's along the same lines. Uh, it's please go away. Uh, people that we don't want to see on TV anymore. And we're going to lead off this round with Sal. Sal, your please go away for 2017. I think I've made it pretty known on the few appearances I've had on this show that um, please go away is Natalia. Please, please go away forever. No one gives a crap about your damn cats. No one gives a crap about your crappy sharpshooter. You are one of the worst actresses in the company, and your wrestling is really overrated. You have no business holding the women's title in 2017, and you belong on a pasture or in a glue factory, one or the other. It's funny. There are other girls on the roster I would think resemble horses more than her. But in any event, Adam... Please, please go away, 2017. I got kind of dark at the end. Um, <laughs> last year for Please Go Away, I picked uh, Eva Marie, and I was very happy that I got my wish there. <laughs> I'm hoping that I get my wish this year as well. It could have been Alicia Fox. Okay. It could have been Mojo Raleigh, okay. but it's not. Because of this person's position within the company, this superstar, and yes, it is a superstar. It's not Vince McMahon, but he is also on the list, goddammit, uh, is, I think, more deserving than anyone else. I am talking about Brock Lesnar. Wow. The universal champion, the highest champion on Raw, who has an artificially inflated title reign because he's never on the goddamn show. He should have lost most of his title matches this year, but no, instead we have to wait until WrestleMania to actually have a full-time wrestler hold the top goddamn title on the flagship show. Brock Lesnar, go the fuck away. Well, I think it's funny because you're assuming that WrestleMania won't be headlined by Kane versus Brock Lesnar. So. <laughs> Just saying, last year's WrestleMania, you know. Oh. Uh, my choice for Please Go Away, and I'm going to echo the sentiments of Sal, uh, Natalia. It's it's easy for me. Uh, she's done nothing interesting. There's nothing compelling about her. I've said multiple times I'm a viewer of Total Divas, thanks to my wife's uh, enjoyment of the show. Uh, she's annoying. Uh, she's a total bitch on that show. Um, she brings just nothing to me, and her promos are awful, uh, and her in-ring work is while passable is certainly overrated by far uh and i just don't see her bringing anything and the fact that she got a long run with the championship in an age where people like charlotte becky lynch sasha banks and bailey are struggling for time on television to see natalia and even naomi for for that matter be the centerpiece of the women's divisions on smackdown just really pissed me off so i went with natalia troy your choice please go away 2017 or as I like to call it, the Big Show Memorial Award. Um, <laughs> uh, my choice um, largely centered around a, a dude that only really showed up at the end of the year, uh, and that was Kane. Um, I'm, I just don't see why we're devoting so much time to Kane. You know, we, we sacrificed Finn Balor and Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose all to Kane to try to build him back up again. And we're still trying to pretend that a guy who should be off doing mayoring stuff <laughs> is a, a a number one contender for what's supposed to be the biggest title in the company right now, the Universal Championship. All right, fair enough. Shout out to those fans in the front row on Raw last week who had the sign that says, shouldn't you be doing mayor stuff? <laughs> fair enough. 
All right, moving on to our next category, best and worst debut of 2017. We're going to start with the best debut and leading off this category. We're going to start with Adam, your best debut of 2017. Uh, yeah, though uh, though they spent much of 2017 on the shelf due to various injuries, uh, in terms of debut, I'm going to have to go revival here. To come in and on your first night on the main roster, defeat the New Day, uh, I think that's a hell of a debut. Okay, I don't think anybody could argue with that, but we will find out. Troy, your choice for Best Debut 2017. Uh, my choice for Best Debut of 2017, and I'm glad I got to go before any of the rest of you guys, Samoa Joe. Uh, him entering into the into the company, or in, into WWE, and taking out Seth Rollins and the, the subsequent events after that was, I think, a great way to debut a great talent. All right, well, you stole a bit of my thunder there, so you did end up going before me, and I think I screwed up the order because I could have gone before you and said my selection also, Samoa Joe. Uh, just juxtapose the disappointment of not seeing him debut in the Royal Rumble the night before, uh, followed by the elation as he comes out of the crowd as Triple H's enforcer to choke out Seth Rollins. You can uh, sort of you know quibble about how he was used in that role after the fact, and it was just sort of dropped. Uh, but there is no denying Samoa Joe has had one of the biggest impacts of anybody who debuted in 2017. Sal, your choice for best debut of the year. I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this one, but it is the one debut that I went back and watched a few times, and for me it was the moment, and it was the debut of Mike and Maria Kanellis at Money in the Bank. Um, The reaction they got... uh, the song was fucking amazing. Maria's promo, I thought, was perfect. Say what you will about what happened after that night, but on that night, to me, it was the most memorable debut of 2017. Really, that's so interesting. They really like. It was really not. There was nothing. I, I don't know. I just didn't see anything there at that point. There was just sort of a throwaway moment. I thought in the way they they presented it, but it, to each their own in this list. Absolutely. Uh, that is going to bring us to the worst debut of 2017. Uh, if you've listened to the show, I'm guessing you can figure out where I'm going to go with this one. But let's find out where Adam went as he's first in line. Adam, worst debut 2017. Uh, my my worst debut is not so much based on what happened in the ring, but what happened outside of it. Uh, I went with Leo Rush. Uh, gets a match or two on NXT, then makes an absolute ass of himself on Twitter, and we haven't seen him since. Huh, interesting. Interesting selection. A little bit outside the box there. I like that one. Uh, that's going to bring it to me because I'm not letting Troy steal this one from me. <laughs> Worst debut for me, hands down, Asuka. And I've talked about it on the show multiple times. I thought sure. the fact that they brought this woman in as an absolute killer in NXT. Nobody could beat her. Nobody could touch her. She was dominating people. She was tapping people out in seconds, if not a minute. Her first program is with Emma, who's been booked as a glorified jobber on WWE television at the time, and someone who she tapped out in, I believe, 45 seconds in her debut in NXT. And they had a competitive back-and-forth match where you could even make the case that Emma sort of controlled most of that match. Uh, And to me, the crowd reactions never got to where they should have because of the way she was booked that very first night in her debut. Um, She's... We've gone through moments where it looks like they get it, and then they regress back. Uh, but certainly that night, I think, did a lot of damage to her long term. So I'm going to go with Asuka. Troy, your choice for worst debut. This is a really fun moment for me. Because my worst debut was Mike Kanellis. Okay. So uh, 
taking a guy like like Mr. Canellas, taking a person like Maria, and having him debut the way they did, just I I always would rather see somebody debut by attacking somebody or at least putting down a a promo against somebody that they're going to have a feud with. There was no direction with these two. Um, Obviously, subsequently, this fizzled out pretty quickly, and uh, it was just kind of a bummer to see how wasted Mike Canales was. It's a very fair choice as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Sal, your choice for worst debut. For worst debut for me... You know, it wasn't necessarily the person, because we had seen this person before on TV, but it was the debut of her new character. You know, we got weeks and weeks of videos hyping the debut of Lana. And Lana comes out when six women and Shane McMahon are already in the ring, and within two minutes, they cut her momentum off. Um, To the point where the entire SmackDown women's roster is laughing at her thinking that she can get a match with Naomi. Uh, all that hype for what? God, that was just fucking awful. See, I would venture to say they finally saw her wrestle, so that was the driving force behind that. And allow me to compliment Troy for uh, not selecting Paige's porn debut for his best debut of the year. <laughs> I certainly saw that one going there. Anyway, we move, on. <laughs> we move on to most overexposed for 2017. The person who you... Uh, you think it's gotten way more TV time than they absolutely should. Uh, someone who's been way overutilized is probably another way to put it. Uh, and we're going to leave this category off with Adam, most overexposed 2017. Is it me again? Okay. Um, all right. It pains me to say this because I'm still a fan of the guy, but uh, I got to go with Seth Rollins on this one. Um, the guy has had his finger in almost every single pie title-wise this year. He's been all over the Raw brand, yet never really accomplished anything. Just a couple of tag title runs. He even showed up at NXT TakeOver in January, and he's the cover superstar for WWE 2K18. I'm getting a little tired of seeing his face. Hmm. Okay. Uh, my choice for most overexposed was both physically and literally in booking. Uh, Baron Corbin. Uh, never need to see the belly button face ever again. Um, so let's keep that covered up and, and not exposed. But the guy just, to me, doesn't have it. I, I don't see it. I don't see the charisma. Uh, I saw it for brief shining moments on Talking Smack when he was allowed to sort of let down the facade they want him to be and be sort of himself and just sort of arrogant and um, and that guy. And I saw it in interviews when he was not uh, on the record on the company. Uh, he did an interview with 98.5 in Boston, a sports station. He was phenomenal on that. He had personality, he had charisma. Uh, but none of that translates to his character on air. Uh, his feuds have been boring. His work rate is not great. Uh, and I just don't see anything. But he's been at the top of a lot of the cards in 2017. And I give him credit for trying to elevate somebody but I think they picked the wrong guy, so I'm, I went with Baron Corbin, which brings us to Troy, your point, your pick for most overexposed 2017. Uh, my pick for the page reward for most exposed, uh, <laughs> definitely your future U.S. champion, Transgender Mahal. Okay. Uh, this was a guy who didn't, uh, I didn't feel put in the time in WWE to really, uh, um, you know, become the focal point of SmackDown. Um, you know, got a, a championship put on him when there was other more deserving people, um, or then, you know, turned around and kind of never, you know, accomplished what I think that they wanted him to. They wanted him to be a, a top guy. And clearly, 
you know, he he wasn't uh, to the so much so that the U.S. Championship was elevated over the World Heavyweight Championship during a lot of the booking of of his run as well. So yeah, I would go with uh, transgender. All right, fair enough. That's going to bring us to Sal. Your choice for most overexposed. So throw a flag on me if you must, but my most overexposed is not a full-time wrestler. But we do have to see him every week, uh, and that is Shane McMahon. A guy who, you know, was really kept special in 2016, kind of, and that's the role I thought he was going to have was show up every once in a while. And instead, not only is he is he on every single week, he's in literally multiple segments. Whether it's the women's division or AJ and Owens, it's just enough with Shane on TV. It's it really has bled into the product really badly in 2017. Yeah, and if you look at NXT and you see how little they use their authority figure and he really just enhances mm. people when they use him. It's a totally different way of booking it, and I think it helps get the talent more over than the authority figures. But that will bring us to our next category. Well, not our next category, but our next award in the same category, which is most underutilized. So most underutilized of 2017. Adam, your selection for this category. Uh, this, uh, this was another very easy one for me. I feel without a doubt, bar none, the winner of this <laughs> winner in quotes here is Ty goddamn Dillinger. Uh, he made his main roster debut at number 10, of course, in the Royal Rumble and got officially called up a few months later. Uh, since then he's made sporadic appearances, including, uh, a part in the AJ Styles and Baron Corbin U.S. title feud, but has had zero feuds of his own and hasn't done anything of note other than sell NXT action figures at Target, uh, which is bullshit. All right, fair enough. Interesting choice, and I, and I could certainly co-sign with that idea. Uh, my selection for most underutilized, my winner... Z in parentheses. Uh, Team Iconic, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce. Uh, I think these two girls are absolute money. I think they are stars. I think uh, Peyton's obviously the better in-ring performer, but I think Billy Kay is great as a character, uh, as a mouthpiece, as a sort of run-in buddy for Peyton. And the fact that these girls haven't had a run with that championship, uh, sort of freebirding the title, uh, where... We just sort of went the predictable route and handed the title to Ember Moon when there was an opportunity. Uh, there were spots where they could have sort of helped each other win in, in multiple person matches, and I think they were just booked really poorly. But half the time you don't ever see them, and they're not involved in the main storylines amongst the women, and I think that's an absolute crime because these two girls are tremendous, tremendous characters whenever they're on TV. So I went with uh, Team Iconic. Troy, your choice for most underutilized. Uh, this one for me, uh, I kept debating on two different people, uh, but finally settled on Fandango. Oh, okay. um, I'm a, a huge Johnny Curtis fan. Love watching him on NXT Revisitor right now. And, you know, he got to shine a little bit in backstage segments, but it didn't amount to anything. And they're they're completely underutilizing a guy who could be a very good mid-card talent to upper mid-card talent. I don't know if he'll if he would ever be a main eventer, but definitely he'd be he should be better off than where he is right now. Hmm. That's an interesting choice, Sal. Your choice for most underutilized. For me, most underutilized is a guy we do still see on TV, but just not in the way he should be used, and that is Finn Balor. Okay. This is a guy who came back from injury in February, but was still kept off of WrestleMania. Um, and then showed up the next night on Raw as Seth's tag partner. 
Talk about a waste. I mean, this is a guy who's had only two real feuds in 2017. Uh, Obviously, the shit show with Bray Wyatt and then uh, a side feud with Elias. I mean, we're really not doing anything with him. And, you know, you really should be utilizing him considering that he's not in his 20s. He's in his late 30s. Um, And I don't see that they have no direction for him the entire year. All right, interesting. Our next category is going to be best booked angle. And just to clarify, because coming up we have best storyline, to me the best booked angle is an angle that maybe you didn't expect to be good when you heard about it or when you first saw it. And then by the way they booked it, the story they told, it became interesting. And to me it was very obviously Johnny Analog versus the Poop Monster. Uh, These two... Oh, sorry. Somebody changed my, my page. Uh, no, my best booked angle was easily the Miz and Maurice versus Cena and Nikki. Uh, this is a match when everybody start heard about it, they went, oh, my fucking God, really? That's WrestleMania? Uh, and by the time it rolled around, there's not a fucking fan that couldn't wait to see this and see how it was going to play out. You had uh, grown men and women in tears at the proposal. Just everything about how this match was booked, how this story was told, they went from a match nobody wanted to see to can't miss on the WrestleMania card, and that to me is a testament to how well-booked this angle was. So that's what I picked for this category. Troy, your choice for best-booked angle. Uh, My choice for best-booked angle was the segment entitled The Festival of Friendship. Because to me, we all knew this was coming. We all knew that the breakup was coming. And it was just a matter of how they were going to do it. And the way that this came out was better than I could have ever expected. The the acting between these two men, the, the subtlety between the two of them, they did just a tremendous job of, of taking something that, hey, we know this is coming. We know that these guys are going to break up and actually making it with a couple of surprises thrown into it as well as making it compelling. Okay. Interesting, interesting selection there. Uh, that's going to bring us to Sal, your best booked angle for 2017. Uh, now, the opposite of what Troy just said, this one you really didn't see coming, and that was the night that Tommaso Ciampa turned on Johnny Gagano. Um, I thought it was set up perfectly. Um, everybody thought they were just doing the send-off uh, to go to the main roster. Uh, they put the little... Uh, copyright at the bottom of the right-hand screen. And then Tommaso says, this wasn't our moment. It's mine. And it, it was so beautiful that I thought it it absolutely could have set the table for what still could be one of the best feuds uh, in recent memory. But, well, you know, unfortunately, Tommaso did hurt his knee that night. He, he did miss the rest of 2017. I am anxiously awaiting to see what they do with that when he comes back. Yeah, and for me, that was the only reason I didn't go that route is just because there was no real follow-up due to injury uh, to further that storyline. Adam, your choice for best booked angle 2017. Um, I didn't go with the one that you picked, Jason, but I did go with one that you explained almost perfectly on a, on a recent episode. Uh, I went with the revitalization of Andrade Cien Almas, okay. uh, mainly because nobody saw it coming mm-hmm. um like you said uh, on a previous episode they turned him heel something was missing they added in Zelina vega small character twist making him that kind of party dude hit they hit the ground running and now he's the nxt champion and no one saw it coming i thought that was perfect
perfectly executed. No, and not only is he the champion, he's credible in that role, too, which is a testament to the work they did, absolutely. Uh, which is going to bring us to worst booked angle, and to me, and I, and I hate to be the guy, the first guy that does this, but this was an absolute tie because I, could, I, I had two choices, Ooh. and I absolutely could not pick between them, but they have a common thread, so I'm going to go with it. And I'm going to say Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt versus Finn Balor. Uh, <laughs> and for me, the reason being, in both cases, I was interested and sort of excited when I originally saw it. I thought this the way they started to tell the story with Orton, where they were allies, and then Orton was slowly setting up, you know, give or take the glowing eyes, but where there was where Orton was slowly setting him up, but then he, he sort of gave up his, his opportunity at, at WrestleMania. I thought they told a great story. And then arson happened. And <laughs> you put guys through matches to determine a new number one contender, and then went, eh, fuck it, no, Randy Orton's going to get the match after all. Uh, and completely had an opportunity, put the world title on Bray, uh, finally gave him a run with it, and first opportunity you got at WrestleMania, used insects and shit in the ring and took the title off of him. Uh, booked as bad as any angle I've ever seen until... Sister Abigail, uh, Finn Balor, of course, that was awful as well. Uh, you look at the fact that you had two tremendously talented guys, two guys who should be at the top of your card, uh, whether you, you make a case of the championship feud or not, but certainly guys who should be in things more meaningful than you beat me as the demon, but you haven't beat me as the man. Okay, you beat me as the man, but you haven't beat me in drag. And uh, <laughs> thankfully... <laughs> It was so bad that even when Wyatt was healthy, they didn't fucking bother to pick it up. So that was my pick for worst booked angle. Sorry, I apologize for the tie, but there was just no way for me to pick between those two. Troy, your choice for worst booked angle. Um, I I had to go with Rollins versus Triple H on this one. Okay. You know, something that that I think that a lot of us were really excited for. You know, they they had a built-in storyline there, and then they just kind of forgot about it. So not to mention the ex- extended breaks in between each you know new segment with uh, with the two guys. Um, you know, Rollins keeps saying that he couldn't find Triple H yet. We knew exactly where Triple H was. He was most likely backstage, or you know, he's got an office. You know where he lives. Like, how how can you not find the guy? Or just find so. the next debuting NXT talent because Triple H will be there taking a picture with him. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just go. Just just go over to China, and just and just wait oh, around muscular looking Chinese. No. Oh yes. Uh-huh. yes, yes. <laughs> well, he he'll most likely be at her grave, crying uh-huh. and trying to inject steroids into the ground. <laughs> Going full kitty Vic. That's gonna bring us to Sal. Your choice for worst book angle 2017. I'm actually surprised no one has said this yet. Uh, my worst booked angle was. The reveal of Kurt Angle's secret to be a bastard son in Jason Jordan. Uh, for weeks upon weeks, we got these secret text messages to Kurt Angle's phone, the secret conversations between him and Graves. Uh, there was something really big that was going to happen that Kurt Angle was going to reveal. And when the time came, the reveal was almost as bad as Hornswoggle being Vince's son. Uh, first of all, the reveal was the fact that it was an illegitimate child, which makes no sense if you know Kurt Angle's history. And then to make that uh, guy I, Jason I, I, Jordan. Would, I would disagree. We know Kurt likes the, the, the darker ladies, so <laughs> it actually made a ton of sense to me. You know, Olympic athletes throwing their seed all around the Olympic Village. This is the, you know, the way they, they made perfect sense. Oh, yeah. And for that guy to be Jason Jordan... 
I don't think anybody uh, came out of that Raw like, well, that was great. I was glad that paid off. And I can't, I can't argue too much with that one. But uh, Adam, your choice for worst book angle 2017. I just want to say that I hope trying to inject steroids into the ground is the title of this episode. Um, I would say the Shield reunion, but that's not anybody's fault. That's just bad luck with injuries. Uh, I would say Titus Worldwide, but I mean Akira Tozawa was the cruiserweight champion for like 24 hours. Uh, I think I'm going to have to go way back and go with something that probably no one here actually remembers having happened, the breakup of the Golden Truth. People got so excited by the return of the old Goldust, the original Goldust, with the director's chair and the movie quotes and the crazy camera effects and everything. And then they had a couple of matches between the two of them, and then nothing. We've barely seen hide nor hair of Goldust since, except for the Christmas Raw where he startled Titus, and apparently now he's a cruiserweight. So uh, I think that payoff was absolutely disappointing. We didn't get the old-school Goldust that uh, a lot of people were looking for, so that's my pick here. All right. Now, you're certainly entitled to your pick, but just by show of hands, who else was super excited for the return of Goldust? You said everybody, and I'm looking. Well, at, hold on, hold on. I'd say everybody. Hey, hold on, hold on. This is this is an audio podcast, so I just want to make sure that all the audio listeners there realize that not a single person. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't alone on this. But like I said, it's your fucking list. You pick whoever you want to pick. Uh, that's going to bring us to our next category. It's it's your list. You can be wrong if you want to. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, best network special. Now, I limited it to the network because we are primarily a WWE show, and I knew everybody would just select fucking Impact's Bound for Glory if I opened it up. So I went with network special, uh, and we're going to lead this category off with Troy, your best network special 2017. Pay-per-view, however you want to categorize it. April 1st, 2017. NXT TakeOver Orlando. Okay. We got your eight-person tag team or match between Sanity and, oh no, Roderick Strong, Ruby Wright, and Ty Dillinger. Alistair Black defeated Cien Almas. Authors of Pain take out Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, and The Revival. Asuka beats Ember Moon, and Bobby Roode takes out Shinsuke Nakamura. I found this to be my favorite event of the year. Can I just stop for a moment to just revel in the glory of the irony of the fact that Troy selected an NXT event as his favorite event of the year. Uh, (laughs) Sal, your choice for best network special. I also went with a takeover event, but for me, it was NXT takeover Chicago. Uh, Had the Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne UK championship match. Uh, Asuka versus Nikki Cross versus Ruby Riot was a nice little triple threat. Uh, Bobby Roode versus Adeo Tommy. Uh, and then, of course, the main event, AOP versus DIY. And uh, not only did I thought the ending of the match was great, the match itself I thought was really great, and I thought it was the best special of the year. All right. Adam, your choice, best network special. Shockingly, I also went with a takeover event, um, but neither of the ones that were already picked. Orlando was a very close second on my list. I went with takeover war games. Uh, the long-anticipated return of the War Games match, given a few tweaks, uh, plus the absolutely fantastic undercard match between Aleister Black and Velveteen Dream, uh, put this show over the top for me. All right, well, I'm going to make it a clean sweep in this category in terms of it being takeover events, uh, and I'm actually going to agree with Sal. I thought takeover Chicago was great, and, and there were a lot of 
good, if not unspectacular matches, but just the two big moments. Tyler Bate versus, uh, versus Pete Dunne uh, in what, spoiler alert, may show up later on in my list. Uh, <laughs> then add to that the DIY. The match itself was phenomenal, which I had very low expectations going into that match because, you know, AOP in a ladder match. <laughs> Uh, but the match was fantastic, and then the moment at the end, the little thing goes up in the corner, the copyright thing, and you think the show's over, and just the fucking moment, the the Johnny Gargano <laughs> turn, the most well-done thing they've done in the entire year for me. Again, sadly, no payoff. It's the only reason it didn't appear in other categories for me, uh, though stay tuned in 2018. Um, but yeah, for me, that was easily the best. Uh, but I do find it interesting that everyone selected a takeover event because... Two hours and done, guys. You know, less is more sometimes. Uh, that's going to bring us to our worst network special, uh, and that's sort of the antithesis for me, but we'll get to that in a minute because we're going to lead this category off with, Troy, your worst network special. I'm pretty sure we're all going to pick WWE events for the worst network special. <laughs> and I'm going to start things off by saying WWE Survivor Series because fuck Survivor Series. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Sal, your selection for worst, worst network special. <laughs> Let's see if we can make this all WWE Big Four events, because I'm going to go with SummerSlam. Uh, so many bad matches uh, between Cena versus Corbin, Natalia versus Naomi, Big Cass and Big Show. Uh, it's just fucking awful. The best match of the night was on the pre-show between the Usos and the New Day and everything else I could have done without, save for the main event, which was pretty good. But it can't save a four-hour show like that. I was going to say, when you start the show with and, and end the show with the two best matches, to me, that's hard to say it's the worst. But again, your list, your choice is Adam. Worst network special. Sorry, Sal. Battleground 2017. Okay. The return of two match types that no one was looking for, and neither one executed successfully, plus a cameo that no one wanted. You had a flag match between Rusev and Cena that added a stipulation for no reason other than to make the match last longer, leading to a whole lot of flags on the ground. And then in your main event, the return of the Punjabi prison match, a match that I didn't hate because I'd never seen a Punjabi prison match before, but one that certainly didn't set anyone's world on fire. Plus, even for one night only, the return of the great Kali, which sends any show directly into the toilet. All right. Uh, I was very, very close to selecting WrestleMania 33. I'll do respect to our Salvation host in the uh, the conversation tonight, uh, because I think it was just we talked about Bray Wyatt and, and Randy Orton. We talked about there was some great shining moments in that show to me, like uh, Lesnar and, and Goldberg. I thought was exactly what it needed to be. I thought Shane and AJ over delivered. So I, there were enough moments there that I was okay with. For me, the worst network special I saw this year was easily TLC. Uh, and I say that because we have an entire show built around tables, ladders, and chairs, and we have one TLC match that doesn't involve a championship at all. And last I checked, the point of a TLC match was to get a championship uh, by climbing up the ladder. Uh, and add to that, we lost Roman Reigns before the match. He was replaced with Kurt Angle. Uh, and then we had the shit show of Kane and Strowman, and let us not forget the fucking garbage truck that showed up. <laughs> so, to me, it, there was nothing quality on that show. I, I didn't enjoy really anything they did that night. 
despite the return of Kurt Angle, which I did sort of get excited for, I thought Balor and AJ was sort of a bit of a letdown, given sort of my expectations for it. I thought it was very WWEized, if that makes sense. Uh, so I, I just, from from what I was hoping to what I got, I had to put TLC as my worst. Uh, which brings us to our next category. We're going to lead off with Sal. Best angle of the year. And now I took this as best angle, not necessarily best booked, but something that uh, definitely had a lot of power in, in the way it was um, constructed. For me, it was Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens. Uh, the personal aspect was phenomenal, especially with Owens bringing Shane's kids into the promos. Okay. Uh, the violence directed at Vince is something rarely seen in present day. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Vince to get color for Owens, I thought was really nice. And to be honest, when those when Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon were fighting on top of the cell, uh, was probably one of the most terrifying things I had ever seen in wrestling, especially given the length of time they were fighting on there. Okay. And I thought it was a nice way to get to Sammy's heel turn. All right, there you go. Adam, your choice for best angle. Uh, I'm going to guess that I'm the only one who picked this one, uh, mainly because I'm also the only one who watches 205 Live. Uh, But I went with Neville, King of the Cruiserweights. Uh, A faltering Cruiserweight division was given new hope with the return of Neville. His heel turn and subsequent domination of the division I felt was beautifully executed with Neville playing the part to perfection. Uh, sadly, it did get cut a little short because Neville decided to up and leave the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what did happen in this in this storyline with him, him and Tazawa, him and Enzo, him and and everybody uh, was just fantastic. Yeah, and I think the Tazawa loss just sort of took a little bit of the steam out of it for me. But I totally get where you're coming from on that, Troy. Best angle 2017. Uh, still going Festival of Friendship on this one. Okay. So I already, I already said what I need to say about that. Right. Um, not only this segment, but also leading up to it, <clears throat> as well as some of the things that they tried to do in the matches afterwards and the conversations afterwards, too. Yeah, and I went with uh, Owens and Jericho, best friends as well, uh, because I don't think it was based on the strength of the booking. I think these guys, just their personalities and the way they mesh together uh, were what made this great. And you talked about some of the stuff in the beginning. Just remember, you know, hey, Owens, you owe me for my scarf. Just all the little shit that started it to get us to where we are. And if you hear Jericho talk about it, and who knows, because Jericho has a bit of an ego, but he had to really fight to get the Festival of Friendship to come across the way it was. The way it was booked was completely different, and he knew it would suck, so he really pushed for the changes and got them. So I went with Owens and Jericho for best angle. But... I I just sorry just to add something to the to that Owens and Jericho thing I, I I always laugh when I think I think it was on the ride along episode with the two of them where they're talking about when Kevin Owens just yells at Jericho you're the goat and Jericho stumbles for a second and just goes and you're the donkey yes I, I love I just I always laugh at that yes that was actually I don't think that was on ride along that was live on Raw as they were walking up the ramp but yeah but i think they i think they they talk about it on their ride along oh, episode okay. that's where i learned of it all right so worst angle sal you're up so worst angle for me was uh, this is what i put in my notes here dolph ziggler create a wrestler number 5 uh, <laughs> okay. dolph feels underappreciated so he's going to perform everyone else's entrance and he's going to add a record scratch to his music and then end his music and then come out to no entrance. And most of the time. What, what most of the time. Add a record scratch. There's a DJ back there playing yeah. on the vinyl. Uh, and then to top off the whole angle, what, what is the payoff? He wins the U.S. title and then he leaves. 
So the whole thing to me was garbage, and I wish they had done something different. Okay, I think that's a fair fair criticism. Uh, Adam, you're up. Worst angle. Uh, Jason, you actually already covered most of this in a previous uh, category, but I went uh, worst angle, Randy Orton in the Wyatt family. Uh, A nice surprising twist at the beginning eventually petered out and led to some absolutely god-awful vignettes and promos and the worst match, spoiler alert for a future category the world has seen this century. And then the rematch with the gross videos being projected on the ring canvas that no one reacted to whatsoever. All right. Uh, my selection for worst angle of the year was already mentioned in another category, but I didn't think it was because of the booking. I think it was just a bad angle. Uh, Jason Jordan is Kurt Angle's son. Uh, for a lot of the reasons that Sal talked about earlier, uh, I think it just they, they set up for something big, and I think they just completely underdelivered. I don't think, well, I think Jason Jordan has gone on to make chicken salad out of the chicken shit. Uh, I think this was a definite letdown. I don't think there was anybody. There was a lot of excitement because that was one of the rare stories where the payoff didn't leak ahead of time. Uh, and I think a lot of us were looking forward to something major. And then we got that and it was like Roman Reigns is number 30 in the Royal Rumble reaction. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was that was what I picked. Uh, Troy, worst angle. Uh, so my my award for the Jason Jordan Award for worst angle. Think about it. <laughs> Uh, I had to go <laughs> with Bailey makes out with her dad. Okay. Um, I thought that this entire feud was horrendously bad. It made Bailey look mm-hmm. like shit. Uh, we had Bailey turn into a chick who's never been kissed. Mm-hmm. And then there was some weird incestuous stuff in, implied. And the, this is your life that fell on its face. Uh, this whole thing, uh, should have been aborted faster than Becky Lynch's pregnancy. Oh, jeez. Okay, then. Uh, and that's the type of fucking content you only get here on The Rundown. Uh, what we're going to go to next is Best Match 2017. I'm interested to see. I think we might have some common themes here, but I'm interested to see what the other guys chose. We're going to lead this category off with Adam, your choice for Best Match. All right. I don't care if this breaks the rules. Jason had a tie. I'm having a tie. My pick is every televised match between Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. Okay. Every time they get in the ring, they absolutely tear the house down, and it is always amazing to watch. All right. It's hard to argue with, for sure. Uh, Troy, your choice for best match. Um, I said it last year. I'm a sucker for um, storytelling during a match. Uh, my my pick for best match was the tag team three-way at NXT TakeOver Orlando when AOP... DAY and the revival. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Troy's best event of the year was NXT. His best match of the year was NXT. But nobody watches NXT. Uh, my choice. I think, I think that's just buzz marketing for his show. <laughs> my choice for best match. I, I, I went back and forth on two specifically, and, and since Adam already picked one of them, I'll go the other way just for the sake of adding something different. Uh, I was originally going to go Tyler Bate and Pete Dunn from Takeover Chicago because I thought it was tremendous. Um, but I'm going to go Alistair Black versus the Velveteen Dream from uh, TakeOver mm-hmm. War Games for a couple reasons. I thought the match quality was fantastic. These guys worked their asses off. The false finishes were tremendous. But juxtapose that, to me, the thing that pushes this over the edge from Dunn and Bate is the storyline. I mean, that was a great match that Bate and Dunn had, but these guys had build. They had story. There was there was something to it. Then you get to the event, and this whole thing is built around Velveteen Dream just wanting the recognition from Alistair Black. Yeah. And then Velveteen Dream loses the match, 
but gets the recognition he wants. They found a way to have both guys win the match. And to mm-hmm. me, that is the best, the peak, the creme de la creme of storytelling uh, in a ring setting this year. So I went Alistair Black, Velveteen Dream. Sal, your choice for best match. Uh, much like you, Jason, I also went back and forth between the exact same two matches. However, I decided to choose Tyler Bate versus Pete Dunne uh, for the UK title at TakeOver Chicago. Uh, I think it was the second match on the card. Was never supposed to steal the show and absolutely stole the weekend. Uh, one of the most talked about matches of 2017. And I thought it really put the UK guys on the map even more than the tournament did. I certainly, like I said, can't argue with that either way. You could be, you could be uh, correct either way going with those two matches. Now, worst match of the year. I think there might be more than one, just based on some comments that were made earlier, uh, who followed in my footsteps with this selection. But Adam gets to go first, and I think he might be one of the people who agrees with me. Adam, take <laughs> it away. Worst match, 2017. Again, I spoiled this in the last category. That's a real good look, Sal. Uh, three words, no explanation needed. House of Horrors. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, uh, that's going to bring it to me. And I also went with House of Horrors. And allow me to explain a bit. I was okay with the concept of sort of fighting outside the arena. I've talked on multiple occasions about how I think changing the visual adds a lot to the product. And I was actually sort of interested in seeing what they could do here. And... Right from the beginning, it became very clear that this was going to be a WWE product. Um, from Randy Orton showing up in his wrestling gear uh, <laughs> in a limo to the tractor driving itself to just it, all the garbage we saw that followed. I thought some of the stuff in the house actually wasn't horrible. Uh, but then in true WWE fashion, they have to have it end in the ring inexplicably for no reason. It's like false count anywhere matches that they fight in the crowd and then they end up in the ring. Uh, the thing that makes those types of matches special is that they don't end up in the ring. They're, they're visually different all the time. They fucked it up. They typically fucked it up. And this is what makes me nervous about the broken angle going forward because house of horrors, worst match of the year for me, Troy, your choice. My choice was the kendo stick on a pole match at Extreme Rules between Alexa Bliss and Bailey? Ooh. Uh, I thought that this match was terrible. I thought that the gimmick itself lent nothing to the match. And then neither woman seemed to know what to do with the kendo stick once they actually got their hands on it. Uh, and it also made both of these chicks look pretty terrible. All right. Uh, Sal, your choice for worst match of the year. Originally, it was going to be the House of Horrors match, but I could not ignore the Punjabi prison match. That, to me, was the worst. Anytime you have a match where the fans can't see what's going on in the arena, that's never a good thing. Um, to the point where they start chanting local sport chants just to be heard on TV. Uh, you have the great Kali show up and do absolutely nothing but hold Randy by the throat. And then it looked like Kali was the champion. He's the one holding up the belt at the end. It was fucking awful i'm just gonna say i tend to think anytime that the fans couldn't see that match was actually in their best interests but (laughs) uh that is going to end our best and worst match which is going to bring us to our best and worst tag teams of the year uh troy why don't you lead us off your best tag team 2017 um this one was actually very difficult for me 
um, because a lot of the tag teams that we've had haven't gone the entire year. Uh, you know, you look at the Hardy Boys were only a short point of time. The tag team divisions on both shows right now are kind of a fucking hot mess. And, you know, you've got the Raw tag team belts continue to be held by just random people thrown together. Uh, so I had to extradite myself out of WWE and go to to a couple of different promotions here. I wanted to give a, a honorable mention on, on two, guys, two different teams if nobody else picks them. Uh, but my choice for best tag team of the year is your two-time IWGP tag team champions and your BCW tag team champions, War Machine. Are they really BCW champions? I didn't even know that. They were. Yeah, there you go. Love me some Todd Hansen and Raymond Rowe. I can't argue <laughs> that's with right. that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's going to bring us to Sal, your choice for best tag team. Um, it was a difficult choice, and uh, there was a few teams outside the WWE that I don't feel I would have done justice if I picked them because I haven't watched them enough to really qualify them. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that respect, I picked uh, the Usos. Um, I thought they reinvented themselves with their new urban personas. Um, they won the SmackDown tag team titles multiple times. Uh, they really had five-star matches with almost anybody they were in a feud with, whether it was the New Day uh, Sheamus and Cesaro. They had great matches with American Alpha. Uh, for my money, the best tag team was the Usos. All right, Adam, your choice. Uh, yeah, I echo Troy and Sal here that this was a very tough choice for me. Uh, I think the Usos have done amazing things this year, like Sal said. I uh, I love Brizongo just as a personal preference. Uh, sorry, fashion police. Um, it could be Rusev Day for taking an absolutely ridiculous gimmick and getting it over. Um, but I think that uh, best tag team of 2017 has to go to DIY. And yes, I know they broke up, but it, that's what's making me pick them, that breakup, that it was just so unexpected and so amazingly pulled off, as we've talked about uh, multiple times on this here episode, um, that it shocked the world and put them at the top of my list. All right. Now, again, we've talked about it multiple times. Your list is your list, and you're free to select whoever you want. But I do find it interesting that for the category of best tag team, your criteria was the team that broke up best. Interesting, interesting uh, criteria there, Adam. Uh, for my team, best tag team, I'm going to agree with I'm going to agree with whoever it was that said Usos. Uh, for many of the Sal, I believe, uh, for many of the reasons they said. Uh, these guys top of the card the entire year. Every person they were in a feud with, they took the Uso. We talked about getting bumped to the SummerSlam pre-show, and they put on prob- arguably the best match on the show on the pre-show um, to the first-ever tag team Hell in a Cell match, which they found creative new ways to utilize spots in that cage when a lot of people couldn't. Uh, their storyline, their sort of their character change to the Street Thug version uh, everything they've done. I've been a fan of these guys since since playing hard in the paint. I've been an advocate for these guys. I've been saying they, they were the best tag team in the world, uh, and I can't go against that. Though I will agree with Troy, honorable mention has to go to War Machine, the first team to win the IWGP Tag Team Championship in America. So for what that's worth, making history. Uh, that's going to bring us to our worst tag team of the year. Troy, you lead this one off. Uh, before that, I wanted to, since nobody else uh, uh, said anything about it, I wanted to give my honorable mentions uh, to two different teams. Um, one, Gorillas of Destiny, okay. uh, over in over in New Japan, yeah. they've been doing some really good things. Uh, it's a former uh, uh, Camacho okay. and his real real life brother, yeah. and Rapp- Rapongi Vice. 
okay. now sadly they are another team that that broke they didn't they they went their separate ways right. so that Trent Beretta could go back to being a single star but they had a tremendous start to the year as well so Bonnie's well, team um, in the Ring of Honor with Chuck Taylor now too so they he sort of went into another tag team over there yeah yeah so that uh, happens but yeah uh, it's kind of sad that we you know we continue to have so many choices for worst. Uh, in every category. Well, before you go there, uh, allow me to once again uh, send kudos out to Troy for not picking Brad Maddox and Xavier Woods because I thought that was coming. <laughs> go ahead. Well, they were coming. Uh, <laughs> for this one, I I went back and forth on a lot of different teams, and I, I if nobody picks them, I, I know that somebody can make it make case for the, for my other pick it was going to be. But my pick for worst take team was Heath Slater and Rhino. Okay. Going from going from winning the the inaugural SmackDown Take Team Championships uh, to working four matches on Raw. All right, fair enough. Hard to argue with that. Sal, your choice worst tag team. Now I believe Adam had mentioned this team before, but my worst team of the year was the Clones. Uh, these guys are repackaged a dozen times. Uh, they're in their most recent one prior to uh, the one they have now was, as he said, the uh, traveling sales, travel package salesman. I don't know what you call them. That was garbage. Um, they have been off TV and everybody had thought they had been released. No, sadly, they still collect a check. Uh, we did see this on a recent episode of SmackDown Live when Shane McMahon was uh, talking to the whole roster prior to Survivor Series. And there were the clones sitting right up front doing absolutely nothing so definitely worst tag team in the entire company for me all right adam you're the uh, only one left who i think might uh, support my notion here but go ahead worst tag team <laughs> uh say what you will i went with another team that broke up uh worst tag team of 2017 is the hype bros uh they start to at least get a mini push winning that tag contender battle royal but then zach Ryder injures his knee Matt mojo does a grand total of absolutely fuck all nothing while Ryder is out they won the andre uh, the giant memorial as i said a grand total of absolutely nothing while Ryder was out uh Ryder comes back they tease a breakup then they don't break up then they do actually break up then or then they tease a breakup then they actually break up Mojo turns healed. Nobody fucking cares. They do nothing for weeks, and then they finally have a match at Clash of Champions, and nobody cares. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to echo your sentiments on that for most of the reasons you say. When you have a huge breakup angle of a tag team, and the best part of it is a cell phone video promo cut on social media, uh, you got a fucking <laughs> problem. Nobody gave a shit, and that's a big problem for both guys. Hyper is absolutely worst tag team of the year for me. Uh, let's get back to a little positivity and go with Best Female Performer of the Year. And we're going to start this category off with Sal. Go ahead, Sal. Uh, I hope that this sentiment is echoed. Uh, best Female Performer for me was Alexa Bliss. Uh, this is somebody who had key victories over Becky Lynch inside a steel cage. Uh, she defeated Bailey less than one month after her Raw debut to become the Raw Women's Champion. Uh, she defeated Sasha Banks in the main event of Raw to become a two-time women's champion. On uh, And she won the Fatal Five-Way match at No Mercy, defeating Sasha, Bailey, Emma, and Nia Jax. One of the best on the mic in the women's division, and for me, definitely uh, the best performer of 2017. All right, fair enough. Uh, Adam, you're up, Boris. Best female performer. 
Yeah, in the in the women's division, that's flooded, absolutely flooded with talent this year. This is a very difficult choice. Uh, with Asuka and Ember Moon tearing it up in NXT, the iconic girls coming into their own, despite, as you mentioned earlier, not really being used to their full potential, uh, with Alexa being dominant on both shows this year. Any of them are worthy of the nod, but I think, uh, honestly, for much the same reason that I went with who I picked for best male performer, and we'll get to that in a bit, uh, you went with I have Naomi. to go... I have to go with Carmella here. Uh, the first ever Ms. Money in the Bank. The first ever two-time Miss Money in the Bank. She's improved in the ring. She's improved on the mic. And if she successfully cashes in that briefcase, whenever that happens, it is going to be huge. And she managed to kick seven feet of dead weight to the curb. Uh, <laughs> Troy, you're up for worst female performer. No, nope. best. Oh, I'm sorry. Best female performer. Uh, to me... Um, I wanted to go on the independent circuit, but there's there's really nobody that's been doing it better, in my opinion, than Alexa Bliss. Uh, first first woman to win both women's championships. Um, continues to be a, a, an awesome focal point for the women's division. Continues to be great on the mic. Uh, her in-ring work has improved, but she still has a little bit of ways to go. But it's performer, and oh, that's overall performance. And what, what she lacks in the ring, she makes up for on the mic. All right. We want to talk about best female performer. Uh, to me, it's it's a very simple, clear-cut choice. You're talking about there's one woman who, from the top to the bottom, no matter where she's been, she's been the best female performer on that show. Uh, she's broken down barriers. She's been the main event. She's been the biggest thing. She is absolutely Charlotte Flair. Uh, you can dislike some of her photos. That's fine. Um but the reality is nobody has put together in this women's division the combination of character work uh, and in-ring performance to the degree she has. Uh, she's over everywhere. I think she gets a bad rap because sometimes of who her father is and the shadow that he casts. And it's hard for her to be taken seriously because a lot of people think she's only where she is because of that. Uh, but the, the real brief amount of time this woman has been in the business, she has elevated herself to the very, very top of the biggest mountain in the world. And for me, that deserves the recognition of best female performer. So I went with Charlotte Flair. Uh, Sal. Did I, get I totally thought you were going with a joke there. No. I thought you were going to say Stephanie McMahon. No, no, no. <laughs> Adam, did you go already? Yeah. Yes, okay. I thought so. All right, Sal, back to you for worst female performer of the year. Okay, now worst female performer, even though I want Natalia to go away, uh, it cannot be ignored how bad this person is in the ring. Somebody who should be much better considering how long she's been doing this, and that's Alicia Fox. Uh, somebody who has no business being on TV anymore. Every time she was put into a high-profile situation, she actually made it worse, and she didn't deliver. She was the opposite of somebody who delivers all the time. She was the anti-mailman. Um, she did nothing as the captain of the Survivor Series team, uh, and her time with the Cruiserweights was a detriment to 205 Live in its early stages, in my opinion. All right, fair enough. Adam, your choice, worst female. Uh, I almost went with Natalia here uh, until I remembered that, uh, oh, yeah, Lana wrestled this year. So, Lana. All right. Hard to argue with. Troy, your choice. Where's female? Dana Brooke. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a selection. Uh, for me, it was it was another easy choice. Tamina. I mean, is there anybody that did less with more? I mean, she had a little bit of rub to the, the whole thing with uh, her father passing away. 
there was a little bit of a moment where you thought maybe she would be the physical force that could match up with Charlotte on SmackDown. Uh, and then they just said, uh, yeah, uh, you stand next to Lana. Uh, and that's what she's done ever since. So and then they were like, they were like, how come he couldn't have killed you? Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Easily my choice to me. Nah. All right. That <laughs> is going to bring us to our final runny of 2017 best and worst male performer of the year. I apologize for any sexism. Let's start this one off with the worst and we'll end with some positivity. I'll kick this one yeah. off. My worst male performer of 2017 managed to pull off the double dip. He won an award in worst tag team and worst male performer, Mojo Raleigh. Guy won the Andre the Battle Royal, did absolutely nothing with it, got a breakup angle with Ryder, generated so little interest that there was zero follow-up to it, uh, and still really hasn't done much to change his character since the split. Uh, to me, biggest disappointment in the WWE, worst male performer. Uh, that's going to bring us to Troy. You're up. Worst male performer. Uh, definitely Brad Maddox. He just doesn't have the... Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to go worst male performer. Um, I, I'm looking overall, not in ring. And that's why I chose Dolph Ziggler. Okay. Um, I thought that uh, he would he would have one good promo and then followed up with 13 bad ones. Um, he would do. He was doing the exact same shit. His fucking every one of the gimmicks he was trying just wasn't working. At this point, he was almost my choice for go away, just because of the fact that it's it's not working. All right, fair enough. Uh, Sal, your choice, worst male performer. Jason, I shared your sentiment on this. It's Mojo. I mean, here's a guy. Uh, everything that you said. He won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. He did nothing with it. Uh, his promo skills were pretty awful. His heel turn was boring. Uh, and his offense didn't evolve. He's he's really the same he was at the beginning of the year. So absolutely worst performer. All right, worst male performer. Adam, you're up. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, I just want to go back a couple of steps. You talked about Charlotte Flair. I uh, anybody who hasn't seen the Ric Flair 30 for 30 on ESPN, I recommend watching that. Uh, just you just reminded me of that with talking about how people are accusing Charlotte of coasting on her dad's legacy. Yeah. Agreed. Um, and also read uh, Second Nature because it's a tremendous book with her. And I, I and, do need I do need to pick that up. Yeah. And also Google Charlotte Flair nude to make sure that you can see <laughs> how terrible those that boob job is. Okay. All right. Worst male performer. Uh, this guy got a job for reasons that no one can really fathom. Uh, had a ridiculous story involving Dean Ambrose, AJ Styles, and the WWE Championship. Many thought he completely ruined the legitimacy of the first ever women's Money in the Bank match. Uh, and then he was relegated to being Carmella's pet, literally, before finally being released. I'm surprised that uh, no one else picked this guy. I went, of course, with James Ellsworth, the living human turtle. Oh, I didn't. I, I didn't pick him because fuck, that's absolutely wrong. Who got more out of less than James Ellsworth? How do you call him the worst? <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to bring us to the positive side. Is we're going to end 2017 runnies with some good news. Best male performer, and we've dipped our toe outside of WWE on occasion in this in this uh, series here. Allow me to go for my biggest award of the year, all the way over to New Japan, and I'm going to go with Kenny Omega. Uh, this guy had a series of matches with Okada that, if you haven't seen them, are some of the greatest matches in the history of wrestling. Did it not once, not twice, but three times. Then proceeded to f- go into the finals of the G1 Climax and compete against Naito in a match that was on par 
with the Okada matches. It was that good. It would have been match of the year if it weren't for the Okada matches for a lot of people. Uh, and over and above that, he his presence put New Japan on the map, back on the map, and even led to an expansion into the United States. His work on being the elite as a web series has done a lot to grow the sport and bring in casual fans. Uh, absolutely, for me, there is zero, zero competition here. Male performer of the year has to be Kenny Omega. And that's going to bring us to Troy, your choice for best male performer. What did you pick for match of the year? I went outside of that. <laughs> okay, because you just said those are the greatest matches of, of all time. I said so. they're considered um, <laughs> by Dave anyways, Meltzer. Well, they were in the Tokyo Dome. Uh, my best male performer of the year, hands down, in my book, uh, fuck all you, I don't care what you say, Kevin Owens. Uh, I continue to love Owens. He continues to uh, to really make the most of the situations he's put in when he's kind of underutilized on SmackDown. He finds a way to shine through. Um, continues to be great on the mic. Love watching his matches. You know, Love listening to him talk during his matches. Uh, he, right now... Stands hands above the rest, in my opinion. Yeah, fucking guy couldn't even last a Goldberg in like 30 seconds. <laughs> Sal, your choice for best male performer. Though allow me to clarify, when I talked about my best match, I picked it based on the storyline, and I didn't follow enough of the New Japan stuff to know the storyline going into Omega and Okada. That's why I went with the match I went. But the in-ring work alone in the Okada-Omega matches would have made it match of the year. All right, go ahead, Sal, you're up. This was the most difficult category for me, and there was a couple of different people. I really batted back and forth, um, but I am going to agree with Troy. Kevin Owens, and I'm going to throw a couple of things at you. Defeated Roman Reigns to retain the Universal title Royal Rumble 2017. Defeated Chris Jericho to win the U.S. title at WrestleMania. Became a three-time United States champion. He defeated Shane McMahon inside Hell in a Cell, and that's just the the monumental victories he had in 2017 never mind the memorable segments festival of friendship uh his whole work as the face of america uh the segment that where he bloodied the patriarch vince mcmahon uh the yet movement that he's doing with Sami Zayn. this guy is as troy said head and shoulders above the rest kevin owens male performer of the year all right i'm glad you went to his character work because you started to reciting victories in a sport that's a work and i got a little nervous there <laughs> Uh, not to mention, for me, the only problem with that is that a lot of those matches were sort of disappointing in-ring when they actually got in there. Uh, Adam, your choice, best male performer. All right. Jason, you mentioned him back towards the beginning of the show in one of the early categories. I'm going to close it up by, men by mentioning him one more time. Best male performer of Naomi. 2017 in my book. Johnny Analog. <laughs> no, it's the poop monster. Uh, Braun Strowman. Uh, to me, the big man really came into his own in 2017, establishing himself as a dominant force on the Raw brand. Uh, had a couple of hiccups with the garbage truck, but overall, I think, absolutely made a name for himself in 2017. I think he's poised to have a huge 2018 and beyond, and I'm really looking forward to what he does this year. All right. I can't argue with that sentiment. Certainly a tremendous year for the monster among men. And that is going to do it for this edition, the 2017 edition of The Runnies. And before we get out of here, allow us to give you a few indie dates that may matter to you. Kick it off with Troy. Wait, I thought we were doing Best Rundown Host. No, no, we got rid of that category. Oh, uh, because mine was it's you. Just, since it's just me and you. 
Mine was you, yeah, by that's the way. True. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah. Sal, Sal, who did you pick? Uh, I picked Troy. Sorry, man. All right, fuck you. Adam, who did you pick? <laughs> I was still here for like six months. <laughs> no, it's Troy. Okay, well, fuck hey. you. Hey! <laughs> see if I pop the ratings oh. on your shows anymore. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's see. Let's start our indie, our tour around the indies with Troy. What better way to complete your day after listening to this podcast than to head on over to the La Pica Bar in Southside Milwaukee for ICW as they headline 7 p.m. tonight on the July or January 4th. Doors open at 6:30. The main event. A lot of credit for editing this fast. I'm just saying. <laughs> can you just can you just say La Pica Bar again? I really enjoyed that. Yeah, exactly. La, the La Pica Bar. Yes. ICW, BCW, you need to hold every event in La Pica Bar so we get to hear Troy That's say right. that every read. That's right. Your main event of the evening, the ICW Tag Team titles are on the line as Evil Shadows 2.0 will take on the No Man Movement, Marmon and Jaxman with Meat Man. Oh, my God. The names get worse every read. <laughs> That's we have work, ice- right? The Meat Man thing. Somebody threw that shit in there, right? That's not really... <laughs> No, no, it's 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 on there. Oh, ICW Midwest title rumble. There's no more information than that on there. The Greek franchise GQ Giannis will take on TW3. The ICW alternative title for no no TW3. Well, they're both threes. I didn't know. Yeah, well, you know. I got the, the same ICW fucking last name. I think it was a perfectly legitimate question. Oh, I wasn't saying it wasn't. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to get us out of here. Go ahead. ICW Alternative Title 4-Way as Dysfunction takes on rundown guest Aesop Mitchell, Bobby V, and shooter Scott Marciano. So for the record, you just called my show the rundown, so now we're sorry, even. Sorry, Go ahead. sorry, sorry. <laughs> rundown. No, no, we're fair. It's cool. Rundown, Go ahead. Rundown sit-down guest Aesop Mitchell. Hey, at least you knew I was trying. I got it. Right? I, I was it. trying to say the right thing. No, I know. High class Mo Foley and Rocky King will take on Sean Priest and Pitstain. Pitbull Zach McGowan and Jacob Hoffman will take uh, take on Jack Blackwell and Cato, and AC Riley will take on Garrison Creed. Head on over to La Pica Bar and get your tickets and get in on this event. <clears throat> and Bruce City Wrestling celebrates their 14th anniversary show, Rise to Honor 14, on Friday, January 12th at the Columbus Club of West Dallas. Bell time is 7.30. Doors open at 6.45. Tickets are available on BruceCityWrestling1.com. I'm sorry. Ringside sorry. This, is sold right. out. I don't mean yes. to interrupt, but this just in, this event has been moved to La Pica Lounge. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish. Uh, yes, so Ringside is already sold out, but you can still get $17 advance pre-sale tickets or $20 general admission at the door. Man, there will yeah. also be a meet and greet starting at 6 p.m. with the franchise Shane Douglas, WB Hall of Famer Greg the Hammer Valentine, and many more. Tickets are $10 for that meet and greet. Then you can join the stars of Bruce City Wrestling at the Slurp and Burp Fun Bar. Already signed our main event, a war, a war game steel cage as the heathens take on the Bruce City Saints. In Extreme Rules, fans bring the weapons. ECW legend franchise Shane Douglas takes on BCW franchise Evil Dis. And a loser gets their head shaved match. Marman Mario. Sorry. 
sorry, Mario. Marman, Mario's Crivelli, will take on the fabled one, ASAP Mitchell, a former guest on the Rundown Sit-Down with Jason Stewart. A sure. notice qualification match is Evil Sierra will take on Frankie Thumper DeFalco. And Rage Mitch Blake takes on Rough Crossing. We also will have the 2018 Brew City Wrestling Hall of Honor inductees. More Fandemony matches announced soon. Head on over to BrewCityWrestling1.com for more information. And because of the fact we have actually an overwhelming number of, of our fans over in the Missouri area, we are going to add a couple of shows uh, to, to our indie rundown here for them as well. The National Wrestling League will head to St. Louis at the O'Fallon Elks Lodge in O'Fallon, Missouri. Doors 6.30 p.m., Showtime, 7 p.m. Child ticket pricing is not available for ringside seating. We do not want any children on the ringside because they will get punched in the face. No exceptions. <laughs> you didn't give them the zip event. code. I'm not going to give the zip code. <laughs> well, what, if, what if people in New England want to plug it into Waze, you know? Well, then they can Google it. Yeah, figure it out. In the main event, the spirit of the NWL champion Gary J will defend against Lionel Hollett. Maverick faces Jack Foster in a no-DQ grudge match. The NLW champion Jeremy Wyatt defends against Mike Outlaw. Dak Draper, the Mile High Magnum, takes on Christian Rose. Thomas Shire faces Royal Blood Jet Royal. And a six-man tag team match as Plunk, Connors, and Ali take on the besties in the world and Javi Torres in a six-man tag match. Get your tickets on nwleague.com. Adam? Adam? Hi. It's your turn. It is. Now the question is, did Adam fuck up our Skype recording with his shitty internet? <laughs> I wasn't great, I and I don't have... know how much of, much of my stuff is going to be uh, able to hear, or legible, if you're Adam. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't turn Audacity off, so we should be good. Uh, Liberty States Wrestling returns on Saturday, February 3rd at the John McCarthy Elementary School, 76 Lake Street in Peabody, Massachusetts. Already signed for this event. Anthony Green, former rundown sit-down guest, will take on Brett Domino. Nick Westgate will go up against Setherin. Nico Silva will defend his newly won No Limits Championship against the former champion Todd Sopel. How many limits? And Christian... None. Zero. No limits. So no disqualifications. Uh, uh, breaking news, there are some limits. <laughs> <laughs> and Christian Casanova will attempt to regain the Liberty States Heavyweight Championship from his former friend Brick Mastone after Brick stabbed him in the back last month and cashed Ooh. in his Opportunity Knox contract. Also, <laughs> uh, also expected to appear Dynamite Danny Miles, Johnny Vegas, the new Opportunity Knox contract holder, Vern Vicalo, former rundown sit-down guest. And I called that one, by the way. Many more. Doors open at 6.30. Bell time is 7 p.m. Tickets are just $10 at the door. Uh, and then a couple of weeks after that, LPW Homecoming is on Saturday, February 24th at the Elks Hall, uh, 128 School Street in Clinton, Massachusetts. Doors open at 6.30, live wrestling at 7.30. Tickets for this event are just 15 bucks, or you can get a four-pack for $50. Already announced the main event for the LPW Championship, the selfie-made man Vern Vicalo defending against former WWE tag champ and current member of the squad, Kenny. Uh, Davian versus I can see what you're doing Troy. Uh, <laughs> Davian versus Alicia Edwards 
uh, LPW Women's Champion Adira defending against Tequila Rose. Uh, Executive Vice President Tony S. has reinstated the unequaled one Todd Sopel on behalf of uh, after the outcry of fans of LPW after the action of the president, Jim Burgoyne, at our last show. Burgoyne has signed Todd Sopel's first match in LPW to be against the very popular sweat boy Christopher James, who will be accompanied to the ring by Danica, making her LPW debut. Also appearing the LPW Tag Team Champions, The Heat, Ilya Markopoulos and Christian Casanova, the LPW Hard Knocks Champion, Brick Stone, Anthony Green, Scotty Slade, Tomahawk, and more to be announced in the coming weeks. Go to luckyprowrestling.com slash lpw-homecoming.html for more information. Probably get a better website. Right. So that does it for the rundown for this Thursday, January 4th, 2018. It has been 10,909 days since Kurt Angle fucked a black chick and made Jason Jordan. It's been 10, it's been 10 minutes since I was hosting this show, too. Go ahead. <laughs> am, I, am I not supposed to do the closing? Go ahead. You're on, you're on fire. Do it. All right. All right. Is he an alpha I, thought fire? You were, I thought you were hosting... The best of segment, it's, and I'm doing cool. my normal stuff at the end. Go for it, bro. Right. Go for it, bro. All right. Follow us on Twitter at Rundown Podcast. Hey, everybody, plug your Twitters. Adam, where can they find you? Uh, the Nitromania Podcast every Tuesday on this here Rundown feed at Nitromania Pod, N I T R O M A N I A P O D on Twitter, and send emails to nitromaniapod at gmail.com. Sal? Uh, follow us at Rundown. Us? Us? What? You're what supposed to plug are you your own. You're supposed What's to plug your own, you dumb shit. <laughs> follow follow Sal at the Poop at Monster on Twitter. Sal at WrestleMania Sal on Twitter. Next up, WrestleMania Nine, the episode nobody wanted to do. At Johnny underscore Analog. That's right. If and there really Jason. is a Johnny analog somewhere, I'm gonna fucking he's gotta be a guest <laughs> on a sit down. Which is where you can catch me. The rundown sit down this coming Monday. I'm gonna have a great conversation uh that I had recently with Big Bacon Brad Hollister. Uh guys had a very great a very interesting story to tell. Uh has risen to the top of the New England area and he's gonna tell us all about how he got from where he was to where he is. Uh you can follow me on Twitter at J Stewart S T U A R T Zero Nine Two Zero. I'm not on there a ton, but if you message me, I'll probably get back to you. Really looking forward to that sit-down. Awesome. And you can follow me at Rockstar Troy, or you can head on over to Facebook.com slash Rundown Wrestling and like the rest, the Rundown Wrestling Podcast. Or at you Time Traveling us. Adam. I'm sorry, what? Or at Time Traveling Adam. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, email email the show at rundownwrestling at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail, 617-863-6967. That's 61-RUNDOWN-7. We are now on Patreon. Be like Mike Smathers and John Venrick. Head over to patreon.com slash rundownwrestling to become a patron. Currently, there is only one reward level, The Rundowner, which for $5 a month grants you one patron-only episode. And I'm going to end that sentence there because that's all we've done so far. <laughs> More good stuff on the way. More good stuff on the way. Yeah, more than just, you know, more Mark Henry. <laughs> We're going to get the uh, deleted sex tape of Troy, so. Ugh, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> check out the sl- check out my show, The Slash of Sanitarium, if you're a fan of horror. Listen to our friends, the Kingpin, Brian Malonis, and Mike Crockett on a wrestling podcast about nothing with new podcasts Mondays and Thursdays. Nope, just on no. Mondays now. They, uh... new, new podcast just on, on Wednesdays. Just on Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> just on Mondays. <laughs> 
Knew I forgot something on this sheet. Yeah, no, they, they've uh, condensed both shows. Now they're going to be on one feed on one day and sort of cram everything into one show. So I'm looking forward to their three-hour episodes to match our three-hour episodes as they continue to attempt to steal the Rundowns gimmick. Well, you know, maybe we could do the same thing and just have WrestleMania Salvation and have all the rest of our shows all on the same day, just one gigantic five-hour episode. <laughs> Well, when when I go on Salvation, it ends up being three hours anyway, so... That's that's true. Head on over to Facebook.com slash the WPAN or the WPAN.com for more information from those guys. Check out our friend Justin Michaels and his new show oh, oh. in prime... Oh, oh. Did he get fired? No. <laughs> well, you deleted it. I don't know what it says. <laughs> what did he do that for? <sighs> All right, well, check out our new friend Justin Michaels on his show, Yester Len Waltz, now in prime time on Tough TV. Or Thank you. Is it? <laughs> as long as he hasn't been canceled, I guess. Subscribe to the Rundown Wrestling Podcast to hear all of our great shows and Exterior Visited, which eventually will return once I can stop coughing it for every five minutes. The Rundown Sit Down, hosted by Jason. WrestleMania Salvation, ironically, hosted by Sal. The Nitromania podcast hosted by Adam, well represented over here, and Glowstick, yet again, when I can actually speak. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Jason for hosting. Sort of. Sort of. Thanks to Sal and Adam for joining us. It's been fun. Thanks to Adam for not quitting. I'll see you next year. (laughs) Take it easy, buddy. Thanks to Ray Williams for the logo, and thanks to Jason for our new theme song. Next week, we bring you How even less How long do we have to have the theme song before it's no longer the new theme song? Uh, I don't know. As long as uh, I Fight Dragons went on. Well, you're editing it now. What the fuck? <laughs> all of you for think so. All of you for think co-host. Now it just says co-host. <laughs> Who the fuck? All right, we got to stop right. editing the Google Doc live. Yeah, it, was, it just it just doesn't. All right, so yeah. You're gonna complain about the word new, so I took out the word new. Oh. All right, all right. Well, <laughs> next next week we won't have Adam here. So nope, nope. I I thought right. I thought when he left in the middle of the show it was just the gimmick. Yeah, I thought that was it. It was that. Quitting. I was I was waiting for my internet to not come back and to listen back and see what you fuck said about me. I think my favorite moment of 2017 was when we were all joking at episode 300 that this would be Adam's last episode. He was quitting the fucking rundown, and then one episode later, he announces on fucking Facebook he's quitting the rundown. That was my highlight of 2017 because we all saw the future. That's right. But thanks for coming back, Adam. We still love you. <laughs> <laughs> those of you scoring at home, Adam has left. Adam just won the episode. And with that, thank you. We'll see you next Thursday. Peace. Okay, we're waiting. All right. What? We're waiting for your, your outro catchphrase. There we go. Now we're done. Happy New Year. The Rundown Wrestling Podcast was created and subsequently abandoned by Adam Salzer and is produced and edited by Jason Stewart. This episode was hosted by Jason Stewart, Troy Bozen, Sal DeCheca, and the return of Adam Salzer? We are a proud member of the Questionable Endeavor Network. Check out all their shows, including all the other wrestling shows, the Raw Attitude Podcast and the New Blood Rising Podcast, 
horror podcast, The Slasher Sanitarium, and The Shadowvane Podcast, as well as the rest of the shows, Taco Tuesday, Words of Geekdom, Pwn Stars, The Reanimator Podcast, and Nerd Control, all at questandnetwork.com. And stay tuned next week for an all-new episode of the Rundown Wrestling Podcast.